0: Love, talk, radio.
1: The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute. Integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. FireInstitute.org. Now, on with the show.
2: It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric, and i This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year, I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to
1: The Netline with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job.
3: Peter, there's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind you. All this travel and plane and priorities has been really getting in the way of our relationship.
4: And DJ Rouchet. I have a great size. It's the Net Live right
1: now. That is a DJ in the back. Welcome into the Net Live right now, ladies and gentlemen. It's Monday, September 17th. And as you can tell by the noise here in the studio, McGee's back. I'm back. McGee, it's been a while since I've been in the studio. Yeah, you've been calling in. We've been dropping some audio on your calls. That's been happening. That's definitely been a problem. But we're, we're endeavoring to fix it, so uh, those out there and our listening public, please stick with us. We are working on the technical issues. Can't promise they'll be solved this week, but we are efforting hard. I'll tell you what. What I liked most was the fact that the best angle... It's from behind. It's from behind. Yeah, good way to contribute to the show on an ongoing basis, Mr. McGee. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, the Net Live. It is September seventeenth. We have a huge, huge show planned for you today. They don't get much bigger than two guests that only have one name. Yeah, Karch and Phil Philip. You want to call him Philip? Well, that's what I used to call him. Are we him more
3: was, formal?
5: Well, Jer- Jeremy and I used to watch Phil and Todd, obviously, on center court, 95 times a tournament. And sometimes it would just get so monotonous and so just – he would just do things where you would just be like, you got to be kidding me. So like, by players would, would tell me later in the tent they would laugh because Jeremy and I used to be sitting there. And all of a sudden he would just go for his third ace or he'd just stuff a ball or bomb it. And they really wouldn't have much reaction. And, and all I would say is, "Philip." <laughs> there,
1: was, there wasn't much to say. What to do Kemp you to say?
5: He's dominating you.
1: We're going to talk to Philip. He's coming off of the Las Vegas weekend, the NVL. Of course, we had Albert Hanneman last week talking about the NVL tournament that was upcoming at that point. We also have Karch, and Karch, he got a little job. He has a new position. Good for Karch.
5: I think that's great for USA Volleyball. Uh, I'm excited that uh, you know someone from Hughes. A coaching staff got it, and I mean, what 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 bigger name, better name uh, to get to, to lead us into that next quad than, than Karch Karai. I, I think it's awesome. He's put in a lot of time
1: uh, and, and a lot of work uh, learning under Hugh and those guys, and uh, I think it's going to be great. I think four years ago, Karch was not qualified. There was talk of him taking over one of the national teams four years ago for this quad and for the, the previous quad, and I, I do not think he was qualified. And
5: he'll be the first to tell you that. I mean, that's why Karch I didn't think ever took a head job anywhere because that's not how he rolls. He wasn't that way in broadcasting. He wasn't that way as a player. I mean, he wants to put in the time and learn and know he's ready. He doesn't want to fail at anything, man. He's he's, he's like Jordan that way, like and Magic and those guys that we always talk about, you know, Kerry and Misty. They don't want to fail
1: at anything. Yeah. So
5: until he's ready, he's not coming.
1: And we talked about on the show coming out of the Olympic Games that we felt – after this four years, after the tutelage under Hugh McCutcheon, after the experience of traveling and coaching the team as an assistant, absolutely he was qualified, and I felt the best candidate for that job.
5: I mean, sometimes you add value on the show, and I remember there's a few things that I've actually listened and learned from you over the years. And, and I always remember you saying, like, it takes, you know, you and Hugh have both talked about it's not till that second quad as a player or going yeah. through eight years even until you really understand or going to that Olympic Games uh, when you went in Athens, was a lot, more than, uh, a lot different than when you went in Sydney. So I oh, think yeah. that way for Karch, too. Like, Yeah, he's been there as a player. He's been there as a broadcaster. But it's different. When, when you're there with a national team, indoor volleyball, and you go as a coach, you, there's a lot you have to learn. So I'm sure you know, he needed to have that experience before he was ready to do this. There's no question about it.
1: I still think it's going to be interesting, and we'll talk to him about it today. How do you build a couple of teams? You as the head yeah. coach have to build two teams, your team of coaches, And your team of players, so a huge challenge ahead for Mr. Corrali. He's going to have to, uh, I think, be off in a new space, and I'm interested to watch.
5: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm really excited excited for Karchin, and I'm happy because uh, the program's also in 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 a a very spot. There's a lot of great. Oh yeah. Um, Great. Well documented on, on this show how how solid they are top to bottom, one through 24. I mean, you've often said their, their second team would, would finish top five at the Olympics. So oh, yeah. it's it's a great time for him to take over. You know, they're not leaving the cupboard bare and just like, good luck, Arch. I mean, he's coming into a pretty good situation.
1: He is. Yeah. He's coming into a very good situation. He knows the players. He knows the schedule. He's got a good handle on how Hugh ran things and I'm sure has his own ideas about how he is going to run things, and we'll ask him about that. What changes is he going to make to the system? A system that I think was darn near perfect. I mean, Three-time winner of the Grand Prix. Best, best team in the Olympic Games, in my opinion. And just failed in that last match, last couple of sets. Weird situation, but they win that match 9 out of 10 times. Yeah, there's no question about it. And
5: the only thing missing from that quad, the only thing, is one color of the medal. Right. I, I mean... Usually you get a silver medal, pretty happy. But it's a disappointment for this team because they were the best team in the world. Yeah, but, they built it up. But, out, to put, yeah. you know, it, it comes down to one match. I mean, for four years, so it's it, sometimes you're going to lose those matches. And, and they did. But but I, I, I agree with you. What a great start for Karch to, to be a part of that team that, as you said, the system, the way they ran it, uh, the way they executed it, darn near perfect. And I think now he, he gets to put a little, you know, of uh, – his personality on it, you know. I'm sure he's going to get to do some things his way. And and, and as you said, you got to build your staff, uh, which you know you've often talked about. Hugh Hugh did a real nice job of that, especially with the men mm-hmm. and then the women. You know, putting the people that he wants around. And and
0: uh,
5: I, I think I don't I don't think Hugh gets enough credit for that.
1: Yeah, he's a, he's a good communicator with the players. He's also an effective communicator with his staff. What he needs out of them, what he expects out of them, and what the demands of the job are really going to be. So I, I think Hugh. Uh, definitely a master communicator, and and hopefully Karch has taken some of that. It is sort of a difficult situation to follow that kind of success. It is a talented team still. It is a good situation. But when you take over a team that's had that much success, we saw Alan Knight struggle to kind of establish his identity on the men's side of the game. And you say, here's a system that worked. Here are players that worked. Here are things that worked in the past. You want to try and maintain some of that. But at the same time, you are not that, Head coach. You have to have your own ideals, plans, and assert them on the players and on the program. So it'll be interesting to see what changes in the next four years as well as what stays the same.
5: And you know, Karch, I know him, and so does Jeremy, in terms of uh, how, you know, he. He, he has to think about every situation. So I, I, I'm curious to ask him what went into the decision. How long did he know he wanted this? Yeah. Who did he go talk to? I know he was on campus at Pepperdine talking to Marv. I mean, you know he used every resource he has. I remember when he was getting into coaching and talking to me about coming to club practices and stuff. And I'm like, dude, you're, I was to myself going to your car, I don't think you need to come watch Shack 18th practice. But that's what he wanted to well, do. Well, you were in the
1: middle of the Geek Pete. So. <laughs> no, we weren't. It was before Geek oh, Pete. Oh, oh.
5: But he. Um, uh, he a lot of thought went into this, I'm sure, you know, yeah. with his wife, Janet, and, and uh, it'd be real interesting to see, you know, uh, how long he thought about it and, and, and the steps he took to get that job. And, you know, as you and I know, he, his name been mentioned, the Irvine job. I mean, UCLA job. So sure, was he really going for those? It'd be fun to find that out.
1: And I'm excited to have Phil on as well. Um, Philip? Yeah, Phil. So we, we've talked about the Rose Ceremony. Yeah, between you and me and Jen Kesey, who we had on this program last week, you're gonna be so jealous what I did this weekend. Okay, we'll get there in just a second, Mr. <laughs> Mohawk. I think he's getting taller. You're welcome. Uh, but with Phil, I think Phil's gonna be handing out roses of his own, and it might be sort of a gay bachelor. But he's gonna have to he's gonna have to hand out a rose to a new partner. No, and he already did. and there's gonna be a big competition oh. for this. Yes,
4: there are, have been some rumors uh, about that and talked yeah. about it this weekend. Is in he Vegas. gonna say it
1: on this show? Have you talked to him about that? Uh, I don't know if he'll say it on the show. So it's it's Phillips Gay Bachelor. <laughs> it could be <laughs> Gay I, Volleyball
5: Bachelor. I, I don't know what's happened to this show. <laughs> I'm not even going to look at Barnett right now. Yeah, but is it not confirmed who he's playing with? Because I heard the rumors, and I was nowhere near that term. I've heard of backroom deals. Then I heard it was official.
4: Let me put to you like this: Who
5: paid who? It money. was it.
4: It's done but they haven't made it public yet. How about that? And if Phil decides that he wants to make it public on the show, great.
1: If they need to wait a little right, while, then so we'll ask to We'll ask him. We'll ask him to put it out there rather than you two putting it out there what you know or don't know or maybe know. No, oh, I know. They don't ever question if I know or not. Oh, boy. Yep. How's it going to be? This is Jeremy Roche's The Net Live. Thank you for tuning in. Speaking of Jeremy Roche and uh, his weekend, how was <laughs> Vegas and the NVL? I saw a suspicious photo on Facebook. It was a handwritten whiteboard. Yep. It was someone who's handwriting. I'm sorry if you're the person, but take a couple more minutes to handwrite that thing before that thing gets posted up on the web as your brand, okay? I mean, let's put some block letters in there, maybe some all caps, something besides the scribble that I saw.
4: You didn't like the scribble?
1: I didn't like the scribble. I, I didn't think name? it was good. some nameplates?
4: Nameplates, yes. Would have been nice.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. nameplates would have been good. Get those printed up at Kinko's. What are you guys talking about, anyway? The the board
5: that had where everyone was playing? Yeah, the board that
4: had the pools, the list. Um, yeah, there's some things I would have done different, but the... I heard the
5: site was very
4: cool. The, the site was really cool. I mean, you're at... The Bagatelle Beach is part... Or is attached to the Tropicana, but it's going to be a quantity. Mm-hmm. And not completely open yet, so it's kind of a soft opening, so this is like the first event that they've done there.
1: They're putting in permanent courts, right? Yeah. They have, uh,
4: there were two courts side by side, site looked great, um, small intimate venue, which is really nice, and I think they can build on the momentum that they had this year. And it's a format that the players like playing and It was king, or best of the beach. I
1: think it's a great format.
4: That's
5: uh,
1: always I mean, everyone's favorite.
4: It's so
5: Jake ex- Gibb beat Furby in the final? Jake Gibb beat
4: Furby in the final. It was Jake Gibb's fourth time in the finals.
5: Yeah, Jake's been in the finals a lot. Yeah. If you recall, the big year was when, 2005, when Jake was the MVP of the tour, playing with Stein Metzger. They were the best team. Mm -hmm. And rumors were flying around that Stein was going to play with Lambeau. So the finals, Jake picks Rosie. Lambo picks Stein, mm-hmm. and it was one of the best finals we've ever had at that King of the Beach played at night at the Hard Rock. Probably the best crowd in my years that we had, and that, that's the famous Vegas line shot. Yep. But Lambo and Stein end up winning. Lambo wins the crown, and the rest is history. They they broke up right thereafter. Uh, it, it, interesting for Jake Gibb, he was the MVP in two thousand five. He got dumped, mm-hmm. but he ends up going to two Olympics with Rosie. He has the best year. Of his career this year, mm-hmm. and rumor has it Rosie's going to play with Phil.
4: That is the rumor. So and,
5: after the two best years of his career, he might be having partner switches now. I don't know what's going into it. I don't know if that's confirmed, but of course we've all heard that. We'll ask Phil when he comes on. But is it because chance to play with Phil? Does is Jake done traveling like Furby? You know, if, Furby's confirmed not going overseas. Yeah. So you know maybe Jake said, hey man.
4: Well, and I will Go say for it. it is confirmed that Jake and Rosie's last tournament together will be this, this weekend in Huntington. They've it, already talked about it. Yeah, they're going to make it. They're going to that. What a great
1: run they've had. Oh, for sure. Listen, Listen, if you have a good partnership, if you have a good relationship, and they forget do. the volleyball part. Yeah. If you have a good relationship and your partner comes to you and says, I have a chance to play with Phil. He's going to say, "Have man, good luck. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be
5: right there cheering for you. You can't hold your guy back. No, 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 absolutely, and Jake would never. But I'm just saying it's it's – it's interesting volleyball-wise to have your two best years,
1: yeah, and just, then you're going to lose that guy. I am not surprised he won that competition, Jacob. Yeah, he's having no, the no, best year of his
5: career. He's playing unbelievable.
1: Yeah, you're I mean, just talking about a guy down, that can do it all. Yeah. Well, and they,
4: it was so it was Jake against Furby in the finals. You can't pick your regular season partner. They when they played high card to see who picks first.
5: Yeah. So did Furby get the first draw? Furby
4: got the first draw. So
5: you take Phil because you don't want Jake to take him. I mean, that's what it used to happen in those days. Well, that's what I started telling
4: people. They're like, oh, who's he going to pick? Who's he going to pick? I'm like, you, whoever picks first, you pick Phil, regardless whether you think it's a good
5: chemistry, because you don't want to play against <laughs> you're just Phil. You're playing defensively. Yeah, I mean, that,
2: that's what guys picks. used to do, though.
5: You don't yeah. want to play against But them. what about Matt? Should he have taken a guy like Casey, who he's played with a million times? <laughs> it went three.
4: So, so I it wasn't
5: mean, a bad pick. It, I mean, in fifteen
4: yeah. twelve and the third. Yeah, um, Phil played the right. Was John Hyden there? Yeah.
5: Yep. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I, I'd I love to. I'm going to call Furby later. today. I'd love to know that, and we'll get the answer. But I want to know what went into that. And I mean, you got Hyden, who could pl- who's playing as yeah, well defensively as well. anyone in the world right now, and he sides out all day long. But maybe Furby's going to get the serves and he's not used to – I don't know, but it's, it's a, that's a real interesting pick.
4: So he picked Phil first, and yeah. then Jake took Nick Lucena, and Nick was playing out of his mind. Oh, yeah, you bet. And Playing only...
5: against Phil and Furby. his former partner. <laughs> yes, so it's not like Nick knew who he was playing against. So this will be Nick and Furby's last event as well because Furby's not going overseas, so Nick's got to get someone new for mm-hmm. next year.
4: And uh Jake-Nick thing could be uh, potential. They look good together. They look good together too. Yeah,
5: man, that's a lot of fire on the court because you know the big nasty's got some fire in him too. One so. of them would have to switch sides. I would think would be Nick. You know, Jake Gibbs won a tournament on the left side when he played with Adam Jewell. Yep, 2004 Austin. He he won his and he can He went to the finals in the King of the Beach on the left side.
4: Oh, Jake can play both sides. Okay, for that's sure. You know.
5: Appreciate that. Good looking. Out. Barney checked out. He's back.
1: And you, you
0: looked—you looked you interested. The show.
1: You, you looked interested. In what I, we're lo- I i know something about beach after the last <laughs> <laughs> few months. He yeah. started the conversation, so he should have been involved.
5: He's way more into it now that he's done those voiceovers.
1: Yeah, I do square <laughs> votes, so I got to know something about somebody. That's yeah, good. It's good.
4: Something about
1: somebody. Something about somebody. I can't just BS my way entirely through an hour-long show. Come on now. <laughs> oh, sorry. Apparently, I was uh,
5: paged at the Vegas airport. Didn't know you were there, Mo. You were Didn't supposed to I be there, there? either.
1: I miss you in Vegas this weekend. Fifteen minutes, go to your gate immediately. My buddy just told me.
5: I'm not. I'm you're, not
1: in Vegas. You're on the way. What is your schedule then, if you, with this Laker deal? Because Lakers oh, haven't started man. yet. You got about a no, month, we, right?
5: No, dude. We we October launched. one. Yeah, I've learned a lot about this network in the last couple of weeks. You know, Time Warner. If people think you can't if you don't have Time Warner, you're not going to get to see the Lakers. It's not necessarily true. The Lakers are now going to be on a new channel called Time Warner Cable Sports Net. It's just like a Fox Sports West or a Prime Ticket. It's a regional sports network. Right. It's the only one Time, time Warner Cable has. Um, obviously, if you have Time Warner, you're going to get that station. They are in the process of doing deals with DirecTVs, with Comcast, with Verizon Bio. So once that goes down, you'll get it. It's just a matter of you know the cable companies fight all the time. Um, who's getting the Pac-12 network, who's not. It's all about money. So we launch October 1st. I don't know who's going to have the network outside of the Time Warner people by October 1st, but we're on. I mean, the first night, we have a show from 7 to 9 p.m. in the studio. Uh, All the Galaxy will be there. All the Lakers will be there. um, All the Sparks, all the partners. So it's going to be a really, really fun night. Our studio is... Awesome. Um, it's really cool to see the thing being built. Uh, you know, TNT style. You got the hoop back there so we can do uh, demonstrations. It's a rotating stage. I mean it's it's really cool. Are you be getting
1: into some of the demonstrations? You're playing point against Matt. I don't or know. Something? I what don't you... know
5: what's going to happen. Yeah, we got coach Dave Miller, we got James Worthy. It's going to be Worthy and myself will do all 82 games, all the playoff games. And, and this is pre and post shows. And uh, yes, and all the preseason, whether the games on ABC or not, we're doing shows. So Christmas Day we're doing a pre and a post. Do you stay in studio here even when they travel? Yes. So when okay. they're on the road playing, I'll be driving 10 minutes to the studio and doing it. But we, what I learned is we also have shows every night. So I won't be the only host, of course. I'm not going to work you know every day of the year, but we have another host. Her name's Andy Adler, so we'll switch off. Cool. But we do have a show every night uh, called Sportsnet and, and ha- Hashtag Lakers, so – it, and it's not just a channel dedicated to Lakers. They are partners, and Lakers are the the main thing. But you also yeah. have Galaxy on there. You have Sparks. You got college football in the Mountain West. You got high school football, surfing. So there's it's just a twenty four seven sports channel, just like Boston yeah. So they're
1: at. filling space.
5: Yeah, they're filling space. Any interest
1: in volleyball over there? I mean, if they're yeah, filling space. yeah.
5: They're, you know what's funny? They when I first got the job, my bosses were saying that they had talked to Donald Sun, and they had talked to uh, you know so they've they've been talking to people James for sure. And, yeah, know, James and all those guys. So um, it's um. It's really cool. It's going to be a lot of work. you know. It's like a startup company almost. Yeah. I mean, we launch October 1st, so everyone's – I mean, they got – and they and they pulled people from everywhere, ESPN LA, Fox. I mean, they got great people working there, and everyone's working kind of around the clock to get it going. So today and all this week, we went to a night schedule, so I have to go in at 3, and we're going to start rehearsals tonight.
1: Interesting. Yeah. You're just doing
5: dry runs with all the highlights? Yeah. Well, you know, our, our studio wasn't even ready. It's finally like – Yeah. So – that positioning and cameras and studio. There's so many people that are going into this. I mean, we have 150 employees now. So
1: I've been watching the seminar from Pac-12 Network. They're doing it in an unfinished industrial space. And yeah. said, Look, this is what our office space looked like six weeks ago. Do you get the Pac-12 Network? I do. How is it? It's okay. i watched Pepperdine UCLA. I've watched some of the yeah. – they have a pretty cool thing. It's a 60-minute condensed version of a football game. They take it, and you can watch the whole game in 60 minutes, which is is kind of cool. cool. um, It reminds me of Italy, where Italy would do that. You cut from play to play to play to play, and then you could watch an entire football game in an hour and 20. You know, UCLA
5: UCLA SE plays Wednesday night, I want to say, on ESPNU, so I'm excited to maybe check that out. But uh, women's volleyball is
1: underway. Women's volleyball is huge right now on Pac-12. They're doing 82 games. You're doing some, right? I start this week. Uh, Oregon Oregon State. Civil War, baby. Corvallis? No, or are you going to Eugene? Eugene, nice. The Civil War, right off the bat. Myself and Kelly Tennant, right in the middle of it. Nice. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be good for you. Scott Ferrier, producing. Don't know him. No, no, nope. no, me either. I will after this week. So I take off tomorrow for that. It Should be uh, Wednesday night. Pac-12 networks. Going to be going to be good. That's great, man. So happy for you guys. What are you doing? Yeah, what do you are you uh, working I'm, for the Bro Rate? Uh,
4: no, I uh, I'm in. Let's see here. I am now in week four. Nope, week three of week five of traveling every weekend. Being Huntington Beach this weekend okay. for the Cuervo. Oh yeah, yeah. The weekend after that, I'll be back in Vegas for a pool party.
1: Sorry, I was thinking about coming down for that Cuervo. But yeah, you should come down and see it.
4: And another pool party. Another but pool. pool
1: party season is wrapping up. No,
4: this will be the last one for me this year. And then the weekend after that, I go to Florida, and then I'm home and uh, Nicole and I are going to go away for a weekend, and I'm going to turn my phone off.
1: Nice. Yep. Nice.
4: We haven't had a weekend together since February. Now, what about
1: your other DJs that you manage? You have three other guys? Is that I what I remember? Have two other
4: full-time DJs, and I have a musician that works for me as well. Okay. They uh, they had gigs this weekend. You're pimping them out? I wouldn't say use that word, but uh, one of my guys was working the UCLA football game. Another one had a big wedding up in Malibu. So, you know, we're we're all busy. We're doing our thing. That's good. Yeah. Follow Pay Paying com. the
1: rent. That's how over I do it. There. Yep. Big things. In uh, Jake Gibbs' neighborhood. Yes. Or Sean Scott's neighborhood.
4: No, Sean, Sean? Nope. Sean Scott. Three
1: houses down. There you go. Sean yep. Scott's neighborhood. Let's take a little break. Sweet. Let's have you do your thing. It's just the beginning of this show. On the other side, we're going to have Phil Dahlhauser. We also have the College of Volleyball Weekly coming up. As always, Mike Sonheimer, Brandon Rosenthal checking in as we head into, at least for the Pac-12, conference play. It's time for conference play. Everybody zeroes on the board for that, but the non-conference schedule over. It should be exciting to talk to them about the upcoming week. Your boy Hugh had a big win the following, uh,
5: the previous weekend against Texas. In over your
1: boy. Yeah. Took care yeah. it down. Texas a little inconsistent right now. The, they put yeah, on they that split. weekend. Much more to come. We'll I also have Karch, new head coach of the women's national team. The Net Live, right back.
2: got a cool and i
1: Hey, what do you got going here? I never know the music. No, it's new. a newer song. I wouldn't expect you to understand it. Can you tell the the viewers about the Imagine Dragons call?
4: Yeah, you text me about Imagine Dragons. I looked them up. Had heard the single. I didn't know who it was. But then they had some other music, so you get full credit for uh, bringing them to Ash. the NetLive. Yes.
1: They just put out the rest of their album as well. Pretty good. good Is stuff. It, I, ha- I have it. I just haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I like it. Good. That's fun. Uh, I like it. iTunes for 3 bucks offer me the rest of the album. I, I'm in. Nice.
4: Finally for uh, 3 years you finally know some music. Bring it to the show. Good job. Yeah, yeah. one
1: time. Well, good, you know. It was oh. Stevie Wonder, Kevin.
4: That was brought up this weekend in ah. Vegas unprovoked.
1: I'll name off 10 motocross riders. Nobody you tell me who they ride for.
4: Are you telling me that It's your business. Are you comparing Stevie Wonder to motocross people?
1: Uh, it depends on which motocross person. Are there any motocross yeah. people who are legends like Stevie Wonder? Legends in motocross, yes. There are legends of motocross.
5: I can't believe it took this long to get motocross. 26
1: minutes. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Good times. Hey, don't forget on this program, we still have a lot of volleyball to come. We have Phil Dalhauser coming up here shortly. We'll have Karch Karai. We'll have the College Volleyball Weekly. And, of course, the same great volleyball talk you've all come to expect when McGee decides to show up.
5: <laughs> yeah, I think somewhere <laughs> I've been carrying what beach. An ass. I've been carrying beach volleyball. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere, somewhere someone in Texas won a lot of money because they had a pool going on when you were going to bring up motocross. So
1: 1026.
5: 1026.
4: That's awesome. That's
1: it. I rode yesterday, too, so that helps.
4: If we had this show at nighttime, it would be a drinking game on when you were going to bring up motocross.
1: <laughs> Who's telling me that they were playing that game uh, with the word Bob or something in some show? I I'll have to remember it. But uh, there was one where... It got said so many times. They're like, "Yeah, halfway through the program, like I can't. everyone was just finished. I can't do it anymore." Yeah. Are you upset that Aaron Hernandez got hurt? I don't know if you have money fantasy team. Yeah. I quit fantasy sports. <laughs> I decided that it was just too much of a waste of my time. Too much going on. You're basketball. hosting now
5: on Friday nights. Prep Zone. You know, you got a lot.
1: You're a little. You're a little busy. Yeah, I'm busy. I've got packed no more time now, for for,
5: for shenanigans and, and little games.
2: That's what you're saying. <laughs>
1: No. no, and the football wasn't bad because it's once a week. Okay, you to kind of set your lineup, But still, people are watching the waiver wire and who's hurt. Oh, Jesus, have a life. And then basketball was even worse because everybody's on there every day picking up players, dropping players, picking up this guy, dropping that guy, trading this guy for that. I'm, like, oh, yeah. I'm more yes, of a football fan. i got guy, to be got other stuff that. to really? do besides fantasy sports. I won last night on the last second, Vernon Davis catch for a touchdown. It was just fantastic. I get it. Like If you didn't play... You know, it's not true of everybody. A lot of people enjoy fantasy sports, but it is a way to participate in the games themselves. I get why it's big and why people like it, especially for folks that washed out in high school or, or in youth or whatever. and they, They've always wanted to play. It is a way to really play and take value in those performances. I get it. For me, I'm in it's two fun. leagues
5: with a lot of buddies, and right. it's a way to keep
1: everyone talk
5: smack. It's it's fun.
1: We had a Barney. league like that that but was I, fun for about three years. But I expect you
5: to put a little negative spin on it.
1: We had about three years of really good fun, but then it just kind of tapered off, and I don't know why people got married. Are you bummed there's no motocross fantasy league? Oh, there is. I'm in it. Of course there is. I finished third third in my league. I don't have to do anything. I'm working. I'm at the race, and Uh, I got five minutes. It takes five minutes. It doesn't take all week and paying attention. <clears throat> Geeter's here, so I think we ought to have him do the intros. Oh, that, that's his gig, time. man. That's why we pay him, right? We I just, bucks? you know what? You know what? I am. I'm just a. I'm just a copycat when it comes to the intros on this show. I'm just trying to channel my inner Geeter. So while we have the outer Geeter, why don't we use him? Mm, this makes me so happy.
5: Yes, let it build. Ah, oh, there it is. I have been waiting a long, long time to introduce this man onto the show because I have not seen him in about a year, and I miss him like a long-lost tall brother, a tall brother that is six-nine, 172 pounds wet. The day he dropped out of the womb, the doctor looked at the nurse and said, Ma'am, this young man will one day dominate the entire world of beach volleyball. He is your friend. He is my friend. 68 career victories, a 2008 gold medal. He is the thin beast, ladies and gentlemen. Philip Dahlhauser. Hi, Phil. Yo, guys. What's up? Ah, oh, Phil, I miss you.
6: I miss you, buddy, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? You're
5: angling the Rose. Phil meant that. That's a, that's a lot from
1: Phil. Like that's he, the best start to an interview
5: on this show we've ever had.
0: <laughs> oh,
5: man. Phil, we're fresh off uh, the king of the beach in Vegas. We've been talking about it. Uh, Furby picked you uh, to get into the finals there. You guys lost to Jake and Nick. How much fun do you have at those KOB formats? I, I, I always remember you really liking those tournaments. Yeah, it's my, yeah,
6: favorite, it's my, favorite, my favorite tournament. tournament. year. year. Um, I, look I look forward to, to every year, and, and it's perfect, perfect. that they because everybody yeah, out, out has a good time.
5: Do you like that you get to do different things, maybe in a non-pressure environment too? Like get to play with some different guys, play a different side. Is that is that is that a fun way to kind of end the year?
6: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's always fun playing uh, with another blocker. Um, I think to this day I'm still undefeated when it's two blockers versus. Two defenders. I'm
5: just going to throw that out there. Yeah, so when Casey and Nick are playing against, say, you and Jake or you and Furby, you've won every single time. Every single
2: time, 100%. Oh,
5: I love that. The blockers reigning supreme. Now, we've been talking about a lot of things, and there's so much to get to uh, get to with you. We want to start with this. Are, are you playing in Huntington? No. Okay. I'll You're... be
6: uh, – Todd and I have a um, sponsor commitment.
5: Got it. We now, we've been told uh, you do have a new partner. Is it official yet? Can you tell us who you're going to be playing with in 2013?
6: Uh, yes, it's official. I'll be playing with Rosie.
5: Very nice. There so you go. You and Sean Rosenthal, which, yeah, clap that up, guys. Which, you know, I mean, people have always kind of wondered what it would be like if you guys played together. So kind of take us uh, take us through how it went down. You and Todd, you know, Todd's not going to travel anymore. Uh, you know, that, that partnership yeah. coming
1: who, to an end, just, just kind of tell us how, how it all went down. Who was at the final Rose ceremony? <laughs> <laughs>
6: um, you know, I've been watching Rosie play great volleyball this year. And, um, um, you know, they won the world, uh, world tour title. And, um, like you said, Todd's kind of on his way out of the, the game. And, um, you know, I figured I'd uh ask Rosie see if I I didn't to be honest with you, I didn't know if he would leave Jake because they had such a great year. So I just threw it out there to see um you know, what he would say and um he said he's he's hundred percent. So um yeah, it was uh it was basically between Rosie and Nick. But I was I'm kinda tired of the left side, I'd like to challenge myself on the right. So uh that's why I went with Rosie.
5: Gotcha. Was that a tough decision for you? I know you and Nick ha- have a friendship outside of volleyball, a- as you do with Rosie. But he- he's a former partner, a guy you kind of grew up with. Was-, was it was that a tough decision for
7: you?
6: Uh, yeah, uh, it was actually. And um, the phone call to the phone call to Nick was tougher than having to talk to Todd.
5: <laughs> How was that with Todd? Was he kind of uh, waiting for that? You think? I mean, knowing that he probably wasn't going to make the run for this next quad was that what was that phone call like
2: I think um
6: well we we uh we had some lunch and um, we sat sat down and talked about it and I think he I mean I think he's a smart guy you know he's a professor so mm. I think he he uh, saw it coming uh we we didn't have that great of a year um I think at some point teams kind of just like um they kind of they reached their peak and then they you know there's nowhere else to go and they just kind of trickle down the other side of the peak and i think we're we're in that um that process and um we just didn't have a great year today and um losing sucks so um i figured um i'll make a
5: change you know you and todd uh, you mentioned getting to that peak so many great memories uh, one of the greatest men's teams of all time do you do, are you leaving with with those memories intact, or, or is, a, is there a bitter taste because the year was 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 tough? No, not
6: not not bitter at all. I mean, we had a uh, we had a good run. You know, we talked about that um, uh, at, at lunch too. That you know, there's, we, we had some pretty good years. So um, there's no bitterness at all.
1: Phil. So, you know, you talked about not having the greatest year with Todd this year. How much of that was affected by your health? And what a lot of people didn't know it was under wraps for a long time that you had a pretty good health scare about a month out from the games.
6: Um, I guess that had something to do with it. I mean, I'm not going to make that as an excuse, but uh, I guess it definitely affected me for a couple of tournaments. Um, but, you know, Todd uh, last year had knee surgery, so. Like, that had to um, – I think that affected his game, too. Um, the last couple of years have just kind of been um, a lot of little things like that. Like, I rolled my ankle a week before, I champs last year, Todd hurt his knee once I started getting healthy um, at the end of the season last year. And then uh, my blood clot uh, ordeal a couple months before the the games, Um I just took all, those all those signs as like I I think I got to move on here
1: to a new partner. Can you detail that blood clot? I don't know how much they did on the Olympic Games because, of course, I went to an indoor volleyball tournament, not really the Olympic Games. <laughs> and I I just would like our listeners to really hear what happened because the way I heard it, it was kind of luck or circumstance that it even got discovered when it did. That you happened to be at a doctor, not even for yourself.
6: Yeah, I was um, well. We were playing in Prague, and my <clears throat> my left arm was just um, super swollen, and um, and it felt like I I pulled something in my bicep and my forearm, so I kept getting work done on it, and um, it was just getting worse and worse. And when I got back from Prague, it was my left arm looked like like George Romain's arm. It was huge, and
1: uh, in black, neck, but. Neck, neck. <laughs> <laughs>
6: I kind of like it, to be honest with you.
0: Uh, <laughs> but the next
6: day, um, my wife was get, had a pre-op um, surgery appointment, so I, I just kind of tagged along. And uh, at the end of her appointment, she asked the doctor if he could check it out. And he checked it out and said, um, mm-hmm. oh, I've, I've seen this before. He uh, uh, told me once, like a full weekend, and uh, kind of went mm-hmm. into the whole, I think, look a lot and uh, I have it I, uh, that happened in overhead athletes predominantly. And what happens is um your first rib pinches a vein and uh when your hand goes over your head. So um over time the clock just forms, I guess. And um I went to the imaging place and they confirmed it and that night I was at the the emergency room basically.
0: Yeah, this
1: is something that's not just a health issue. This is a, a life-threatening issue had that thing come out of your shoulder. I mean, what was your how, – how did it affect you mentally going forward?
6: Um, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it – after – I took it like a month off. So after that month uh, off, I was pretty antsy to play to get back into uh, – Um overseas and, and start playing again it was more physically that affected me um i couldn't lift for uh, two three weeks um so like i was i was out of shape um we made it to the semi-finals first tournament back but then we played jake and rosie in the semis and my legs were just done i didn't have anything left and they, they crushed us so i think it helped uh, it affected me more physically than mentally
1: Coming face-to-face with your own mortality at all, does that kind of give you a scare outside of volleyball, just yourself?
6: Uh, it was it was pretty scary. Um, I was, I'm glad the doctor was able to diagnose it right away. Um, the family, the first time he saw it, was in a, a pitcher uh, from Nebraska. He pitched for the University of Nebraska, and it took him uh, a couple months to figure out what was going on with him. So uh, I was lucky that he was able to um, catch it right away. Um, but it's, it's definitely scary when a doctor tells you, you know, this is life-threatening. Life uh, you got to take care of this right away. And don't worry about volleyball.
5: <laughs> well, Phil, we're glad, we're, we're glad you are on the road to recovery. Uh, so much going on domestically. We we talk a lot about it. NVL, AVP, Cuervo, you've kind of had a chance to come back now and play, play in a few of these you know, having a strong domestic tour, I've always said, is really important for you guys. Well, where do you see, where do you see it going next summer? Is is there a tour or tours that you say, wow, well, maybe if they combine, or, or yeah, we're heading in the right direction? What, what are your thoughts?
6: I think all three. I mean, all three should combine forces. I don't think it's going to happen, but um, AVP has the name and the money. Um, Cuervo has IMG behind them, so they they could take care of the logistics. And it, uh, NBL has Al B, who's like the social chair of the beach volleyball world, so he could be in charge of VIP and the parties. I think it's uh, it'd be a great team if they all came together. But um, I don't know if that's gonna happen. Um, but I know there's gonna be domestic volleyball next year. Uh, I don't know how many events we're gonna have, um, but at least we'll have something
5: going. How important is it for phil Dahlhauser to have a domestic tour I, I i know you don't like going over europe uh for fifteen weeks in in a row
6: no it, it's not pleasant Sleeping around living in a hotel room is great um it's a pretty important to me um just to be home i guess uh you get pretty homesick out there um, and like we, we can't it's tough to find a gym. um so it's, just uh, staying on top of lifting is, is tough, and, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, sleeping in your own bed uh, is pretty awesome.
5: <laughs> Bill, I want you to be honest with me. I, I, I know it's been a long, I don't know, five, six years, Olympics, two Olympics, uh, actually. I know it's always tiring at the end of a season, but with a new partnership, Sean Rosenthal, after you take some time off, obviously, uh, with the wife and, and rest up and get healthy, how how motivated, how fired up are you for, for 2013, or, or are you?
6: Um, you know, this year I kind of uh, – volleyball kind of turned into a job for me, especially this year. So the love of the game has kind of uh, left a little bit. But next year, uh, you know, I'm uh, like you said, I got a new partner. I'm on a new side. Um, I think um, next year will be a lot of fun,
2: and I'm pretty fired up about it.
1: Phil, when you got married, how did that change your approach to volleyball? I know a lot of people as they as they grow and change and things get busier, including families and children. You'd think it would be more difficult to play volleyball, but many times volleyball players say it's actually better. Professional athletes say it's better because you become more focused in less amount of time.
6: Right? Yeah. Uh, you you know instead of playing for yourself, you play for your family, and I think uh, guys um, those games tend to step up a little bit. Um, after, like, great example is Jake had a kid at the end of um, 2011, 2012. He had probably his best um, year internationally.
5: Phil, going back to the Olympics, saw obviously you walk away with the gold in 2008, a, a dream come true, a disappointing uh, 2012. What do you... What do you take away from this Olympic Games uh, for you? Were you guys just not right, as you were saying, physically? Um, did you just not play well? What, when, when you look back on it now that you've had time to reflect, what, what do you think about these Olympic Games that just passed?
6: Um, you know, like all year we just couldn't get any kind of rhythm. We would have a good day, um, a good couple of days and during the tournament, and then um, we would just play uh, terrible and that's kind of how um this Olympics went as well uh you know we had a couple of good uh, matches in pool play came out first and then um we had a uh, really bad match versus the Italians and um they sent us home back and
0: yeah
5: was that was that a sh- you know i they they showed some close ups of you guys was it more like god i can't believe this is over were were you more pissed i know you hate to lose what was that
0: feeling
6: uh like, I mean, obviously, I was pissed um, um but after after I thought about it um after a couple of days, I was happy for those guys like that, and then for a lot for them, they're super friendly uh um, two friendly guys, and um you know, I guess I uh, made it their okay a little bit, but um obviously, I was bummed out uh but at the same time. I, I got to be a um, a fan of the Olympics. Got to see some events and did the whole tourist thing, which obviously I didn't want to do. I wanted to um, make it to that gold medal match. But uh, I try to look at uh, the positive side to every situation, and that was, I guess, a positive to losing early in the Olympics.
1: You're listening to Net Live. We're talking Olympic gold medalist and beach volleyball star Phil Dalhauser. Phil, people forget about the Olympic Games, that it's a one-off experience each time. It's called the Olympic Games, but it is wildly different depending upon the country, depending upon uh, the structure of the tournament and the format of the tournament and, and everything that goes into that. Compare your two experiences outside of the volleyball court. We just talked about your, your inside-the-volleyball court results, but what about outside the volleyball court?
6: Um, well, Beijing was more... Uh, it was more business-like. We were just super focused on what we had to do. And um, uh, we had a couple of scares there uh, in Beijing, but, no, you know, we, um, we got together and ended up winning. Um, this year in London, we were more... Um, I felt like I was more relaxed. Um, I mean, I still did... It. We still did everything the same after we... Um, after we played, we lifted right away. Uh, next day, we practiced. Um, so I, everything was kind of the, we did the exact same thing. Um, just the results weren't the same.
5: Phil, you said you became a fan of the Olympics. So obviously, you're close with Kerry with and Misty. Uh, to, to watch that run more as a fan, because you were you know, probably so focused on your own game in 08, but to finally get to see those guys do it for a third straight time and, and to realize how hard that really is well, what did you think of those two towards the end of that tournament? Uh, the way they elevated their game to me was was was, was really the thing that, that that set them apart. I thought.
6: Yeah, they they uh, were pretty darn impressive. They had a tough draw um, all the way to the finals. I think they played all their teams that were uh, all like top eight seeds, and they they smashed the Dutch, who were like the eight seed. They smashed the Italians, who were I don't know the six, five or six uh, they had a little tougher match with the Chinese, but the Chinese were kind of the um, the uh, one of the favorites, the co-favorites, um, and then they, you know, they won um, pretty easily against Chen and April. But I was at that game, and they were just they were so focused. Uh, nothing, they were not going to lose. They um, both of them were going to do everything in their power to win. It was what they've done three years, three turn, uh, Olympics in a row. Is, is impressive, and I don't even know how many people have won their event three Olympics in a row. I'd like to find that out.
5: Now, did you go to that China match, that semifinal?
6: I didn't know, but I watched it on TV. Uh,
5: to me, I thought that was like one of the best women's beach volleyball matches I, 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 I had ever seen. That 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 China team was was pretty damn legit. But to see Carrie Misty Razor level that much was was pretty special.
6: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I'm good. Going? I, know. I, I had going I had one life. more good question for you, yeah. And then you forgot? Oh, yeah. I know what it was. So we talked to Jen Kessie last week, and she was talking about how much she gets recognized nowadays. How often are you getting stopped outside of volleyball events, Phil? So.
6: Uh, every once in a while at the airport. Um, a couple people recognized me, and I'm in the casino this weekend. Um, but... I, other than that, not not so much.
1: Okay, in the casino, what game are you playing? Do you play?
6: Uh, I usually play blackjack, uh, and if I have time, I like to sit down at the poker table and um, put a couple hours in and see see if I can win a little bit a little bit of money.
5: Hey Phil, last thing for me, talk about that double block with Matt. <laughs> Bringer and what went into that, and I heard your new partner, Sean Rosenthal, decided not to challenge and go high chiz. He went off speed shot over yeah, and you, you gotta what challenge the double block
2: don't you
6: <laughs> I, I think well, we had to do it over again we We probably should have let Rosie know that uh we were going <laughs> put where he would challenge us, but he did totally just kind of do a little poopy shot over uh over angle um. The next play, they made up for it. They served me, and they both peeled off the net, and I was able just to just smash
5: it at them. Phil, twenty minutes we got with you—that is plenty. We've asked a lot of you. We know that's a lot of your time. Thank you, my friend. We miss you, and uh, congratulations on, on, on the new partnership and, and enjoy this off season with the wife. And uh, we'll talk to you soon,
1: man. Thanks a lot, Phil.
6: Wow, thanks, guys. All
1: right, all right, Phil Bowser. I just love him. I I enjoy watching the man play the the, the yeah, game. It's just, remarkable. He's,
5: he's, you know what he's a. It's funny, you know.
1: It, it's just just
5: the kind of guy he is. But he's like talking about the Italians are really good guys, <laughs> and, and you know they're really nice guys. And he's kind of he's happy for them. I, I swear that's just the way the guy is. I mean, it's he's some people are built differently, and he's as competitive as it gets. But at the end of the day, he's
1: got a good heart. And he's a good guy. Yeah, he's not from SoCal. So um,
2: oh wow, <laughs>
1: I knew he would like that. Interesting. Subtle. Hey, uh, what I was going to say about Phil is he uh, – I'm all over the place today. What's wrong? I got 10 things going. Go take your meds. Dude, seriously. Oh, I noticed that. I played indoor kind of at the time Phil was coming up. Yeah. Okay, so Phil was just coming into the beach game, starting yeah. to really increase his abilities. I hadn't seen him play in person. I'd seen him on TV and stuff. But mm. I remember the first time I watched him play in person. And watched him hit. And I I just looked over across the net, some guy 6'8 blocking and I just go, it doesn't matter. You can jump all you want. If that ball's set correctly and Phil gets a good run at it, it's going over you hard into the court. And your defender doesn't have a chance either. There are a few. I remember the 2010 season. I
5: remember 08. I remember 07. There there were some times where he was absolutely unstoppable and almost unbeatable. Especially with the way Todd played defense behind him and was sighting out, he just—it it, it, was—it was actually just silly. I'll, I'll never forget that Brazil USA challenge they did
0: mm.
5: in '09 as the last event of the year in Glendale, Arizona, and the finals were against Fabio. No, it was a uh, was the big Charlie. Yeah, Al- Al- Ali so so Song. Harley, yeah.
1: Marquez and Alson. Yeah,
5: yeah, and he. It was great because it was kind of a Ryder Cup format, you know. So it was like USA versus Brazil, and all yeah. the players were lined up on. It was chairs. a cool event. Yeah, and and he ran off the first seven points with three stuffs, two aces, a pull dig and hammer. I mean, it, it was seven zero before you could do anything. But it was it was dominant plays, like yeah. big time aces, huge stuffs, pull then bomb, and it was it was amazing. You're like, this is absolutely silly. Yeah, what I he's doing. It, 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 I'll never. Forget that seven-point run. Todd like touched the ball twice and mm-hmm. seven points. And I remember Marcio Soccoli, who now coaches. Um, Carey Misty. Carrie Misty. Marcio, you know he and I coached club together stuff. So we, we he would even switch sides. We'd look at each other stuff. Got to always have some fun. When I was down there doing play-by-play. He he was in the box and he like literally. Like, ran out of the box and ran to the other side, and he was, like, just looking around, like, just with his hands, like, people didn't know what to do. It was just the most mesmerizing seven points that I had ever seen. It was just dom- – he was He's playing against Alison and, and, you know, the Brazilians, and, and, and he just dominated because he really wanted to win that game. He I like- had that ability, and so- that's what I think we were waiting for in the Olympics. Yeah. Is he going to really take over?
1: I love beating Brazil. <laughs> but but he's, he's just a little out of practice, I think, at that point with the injury and with the time no, yeah. off. And they had that uneven summer, too, where they missed the last couple of tournaments and those kinds of things. It, it wasn't the most focused lead-up to the Olympic no. Games for those two guys.
5: And you had, I think you made a good point in that interview. And you asked him about just the effect it has on you mentally as well. He talked about the physical challenge. But I think oh yeah. you have physical challenges, outside of the sport. What, what you're thinking mentally and, you know, it can play – mind tricks on you in terms of did he believe he could dominate and take over. And like you said, they didn't play well. Bottom line, the game is too good now. Players are too strong, too solid. The
1: rally scoring goes fast. You know, I think he can still slip into that zone. I think you're going to see Phil. For sure, put, for sure. But I think, I think excitement of a new moment partnership in that can that, tournament, ignite that too. In this Olympic.
5: Yeah. he just didn't have that. But I thought there were some interesting things in that about the new challenge of moving to the right side.
0: You I know? like that he said
5: he's excited it's about it. It's such a simple answer. Like, we've been dissecting it for years. What if he plays this? Who's going to move? Who's going to do what? And
1: he just gives it to you simply. I want a new challenge, and I want to go over to the right. I think he's going to be pumped on that. That. I could see that igniting in Phil, that same kind of dominance, that same kind of fire that you saw from him for so many years. Instead of the struggle that this became, managing Todd's health, managing his own health, managing the expectations and the travel schedules and who was qualifying or not and if they were going to play them or not, all that, all that stuff goes into when you step on the court. I'm sorry, you can't just close a door and step into a room that is the competition. That stuff comes with you. You know,
5: when I asked him about what his mindset was at the end of this season, going into next season, I wanted to hear it from him because I had had a conversation um, with uh, with Carrie about this, and she she and Phil talked in Santa Barbara. Is that where the AVP was, Santa Barbara? Yeah. Oh, was they, she gonna be his new partner? She had talked that to him about where. No, she had talked to him about how he was feeling, and yeah. he, I think he was saying to her, "Man, I'm just." I'm really tired and kind of, because, you know, at a smaller level, he's gone through what she and Misty always go through for those few years in terms of getting ready for new quad, being yeah. recognized, doing mm-hmm. this. You know, I remember mm-hmm. when he got mobbed during those, uh, those winter things we used to do, he'd yep. be like, God, is this what is this was like for carrying Misty all the time? It took a toll on him and to not do well in the Olympics. And I think he was just tired mentally with all he's gone through. So I wanted to hear from him yeah. what his thoughts were on going forward. And I like that he said, yeah, I, I, it became a job. I and mean, it was a very honest answer. Always. It's become a job. And it, it, it was hard to go to work. And, and and now he is going to be re-energized because of a new partnership, because of a new side. It's a great move
1: for him. I love the description of his new partner's game. Describe Rosie's game. Well, he has some poopy shots.
4: That was awesome. <laughs> he went poopy shot to <laughs> po- the court. Poopy yeah. shot.
1: Poopy shot. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, um, when, I, when I think of Phil, I think of Boss Vandegor. Because if you remember the end of Boss Vandegor, Vandegor's career in Italy, you yeah. know how that ended? No. He had a seizure, and I I, I recall it being something wild that kind of finished his career off, but now I'm reading online some stuff about diabetes, Mm. and maybe that's why he Mm went into that seizure. But he had a seizure, completely out of the blue, happened to happen during practice. Boss lived by himself in Italy. Had it happened between practices, even a half hour or an hour earlier, they may not have found him,
0: Mm.
1: or they may have found him dead in his apartment later, he was fortunate it happened in practice, and he was able to get medical attention immediately. Phil was fortunate that he went with his wife yeah, for that pre-op yep. exam because at any moment that thing can break loose from your shoulder yeah, Phil, and finish you Phil's off. If
5: single, still playing video games with Nick, this could have ended badly. Yeah. I think I was white. So Find him, controller away. in hand, Yeah,
1: huge George Romain at that point, shoulder that in That was death. really
5: funny when he said, I kind of enjoyed having him. Yeah, he was like, you know what? I know
1: him. I'm not feeling well, but I'm just going to keep this.
5: Yeah, I'm going to keep this. <laughs> looks. Uh, that was, you know, he said that called it Nick was tougher than the one to Todd. You figure Todd yeah. and Phil knew
7: yeah, Todd the knew. end was
5: here. Todd knew. Uh, but I I always thought Nick would, would have a real good shot at, at playing with Phil.
1: Tough to go back to, to that marriage, isn't it? I don't know. They had success. Uh, how many how many second marriages does the same woman work out? Yeah,
5: because it's different. So hey, J- you know what he brought up that I forgot? Jake and Rosie are
1: they? They won the world title.
8: They for the
5: FIVB tour. They ended yeah. up the number one team. So in the world, Jake two phenomenal years. He gets dumped. Oh hey. five it's talking two
4: thousand twelve talking to Rosie this weekend. I forgot that they have played together. This was their seventh season playing
8: together.
1: So, oh yeah, message I mean, to Jake. Message to Jake. Just play really well, not great. If you yeah. play great, you're about to be single. Yeah. If you play really well, or maybe even yeah. underperform, as they did a couple of years ago, yeah, you, you'll stick with it. You'll still be there. You'll have the same partner. Everything will be fine. Good times. Hey, we have a caller. We that do. person want to talk? I don't Should know who we that find is. Out? We're going to find Reed out. Pretty on this show? Who? I don't know who Read Pretty is. Okay.
9: Let's find out who the caller is.
1: <laughs>
9: Guys, this is your boss. Is that Uh, Reed? I was
5: asking about you today, and Barney acted like he had no idea who you were, where you were, and he's frustrated. I was just sad sad that you weren't here.
9: All these millions of cents that I've been pouring into the show, it's great that you guys are finally in the same room.
1: Millions of cents. Yeah. I
5: love it. Just know that that I've missed you. Uh, I've missed you all.
1: Text from Reed Pretty. says, I'm in the queue. Hey, uh, Reed, I saw last week you were in Virginia. Now, this week you're in Nebraska. Are you on some sort of a Reed Pretty Victory tour?
9: Not hardly. We're just seeing some family and friends. But um, I've been able to connect with the volleyball community along the way. And uh, both in Virginia, it was great to connect with the people there at UVA, at RBC uh, Volleyball Club. And um, the volleyball community is healthy and thriving there. And, and I'm t- I tell you what, Nebraska is a special place when it comes to sports, especially Lincoln. And, and uh, man, we got the full tour the day before uh, on Friday of all the – we got on the football field, we got in the football locker room. I touched number number eight, shoe. Of course, he went to score three touchdowns and rushed uh, a couple hundred yards. But it, it is a phenomenal place. We had, we had
0: uh,
9: seats that were on Jordan and uh, Luke. Jordan Larson from the women's team. That's who we were visiting, and she hooked us up with some sideline passes. It was ridiculous. It's a special place, and if you haven't seen it, this is the first time I've seen it firsthand. It was a pretty special uh, sports town.
1: Did you get a chance to go out to the 35-year-old farm? I'm sorry, say that
9: again.
1: Did you get a chance to go out to the, the farm that Jordan and Luke are putting together? They built on uh, 50 acres or something out there outside Lincoln.
9: Yep, we saw that. They're building a new house. It's going to be epic. It's awesome. And then they took us out to one of their friend's farm yesterday for a couple hours and uh, brought about a dozen guns and uh, we got to shoot for a, for a couple hours. It was a uh, good old Nebraska time. I will tell you what.
1: You were having a good old Nebraska time or are you just out there shooting feral cats?
9: <laughs> <laughs> no, we were shooting uh, clay pigeons and, and all sorts of stuff. But I, I tell you, one of the coolest things I learned on this trip was that their women's program is uh, maybe a seasonal way from being self-sustaining and actually making a profit. And I just found that to be phenomenal. They'd be the first team, other than a football team, uh, maybe women's team in the entire nation, to uh to not only be self sustaining but be, be earning a profit. So I, I think that's uh they're doing some, some right things uh
1: down there. Talk to them to start a men's program. <laughs> that'd be that'd be a good thing.
5: Yeah, they get about what, thirteen thousand at games? I mean they 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 pack that place.
9: I think they're in a smaller gym now but uh they're they're gonna be Remodeling this year, this, uh, the basketball facility, as the basketball program has a, a $200 million building project, uh, an arena, taking place. So the basketball is going to move into that arena, and uh, they're going to take over the basketball space.
0: They no, They're not. And,
9: uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy the, what's going on down here.
5: Reed, what are your next couple of months? I break it
1: down for uh
9: Yeah, heading to Turkey in a couple of weeks. I'll be down uh, listening to j Rose tunes next weekend in Huntington Beach, and I might even call him to Vegas the weekend after. And then right after that, we uh, we head off to Turkey for about seven months, and uh, the rest is completely unknown. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Uh, it, it's great and exciting that Karch has signed on to be the men's coach. I'm uh, sorry, the women's coach, and now we're we're waiting to hear. Who's going to take the uh, the men's program? So.
1: You've gone from a uh, multiple Olympian to member of Jay Roche's posse?
9: Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm in.
4: Look, I collect nothing
9: but Are you thinking metal. about... Oh, I'm
1: sorry? in that posse? Uh, I'm
9: in that Jay Roche posse. Any time that, that Jay Roche is going to go to Vegas, uh, I'm, I'm willing to uh, saddle up and go with him.
1: Uh, Are you going to make a show, you think, before before you leave? No, come on. Don't be silly.
9: (laughs) It'll be difficult to actually be there when you're there, um, seeing as how we seem to have conflicting schedules. But I'll do my best. I appreciate
4: that,
1: boss. All
9: right, guys. i got a plane to catch. Great to connect. And uh, we'll be uh, podcasting later to hear the rest of the show.
1: All right, then, Mr. Pretty. Enjoy your flight from Nebraska. We just had Phil on, by the way, in case you're...
9: I heard it. I heard it. We Exciting did. stuff.
1: Hey, you—you you have one minute to answer this question, or maybe just ten seconds. Have you heard any rumors about who's taking the men's job, or who is even in the running for the men's job, besides Jeremy?
9: I have heard no rumors, but uh, I was just visiting with uh, Coach Cook in Nebraska, and he brought up uh, an interesting name, Jeff Stork. I thought that was—I uh, thought that was a great suggestion. Um, he's had some touch with the team in the last. Four years, he went on a trip to a uh, world big trip to Chicago, and um, he of course was a phenomenal player and very in touch with, um, you know, both, all facets of the game. And uh, I, I like that. So, I, other than that, I have no idea, you guys. And uh, I know that it's an important job, and and if it's not recruiting our very best, then we need to make that job, that you know, more attractive from an organizational standpoint and, and make that package as attractive as possible to make sure that that it's uh, enticing our, our best coaches.
1: The job's still open. Get your resumes ready. Thanks, Reed, Pretty. We'll talk to you. All right,
9: guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Mike.
1: You're listening to NetLive here on Volleyball Magazine. We, of course, want to thank Spire Institute for their huge support of this program, spireinstitute.org. And our other sponsors, Hurley, AVCA. we have the AVCA College Volleyball Weekly coming up, and Volleyball Mag for their huge support. Go and check out Volleyball Mag's website. They're doing things to improve the information available to you out there in the world of volleyball. DJ Roche spin up some tunes and some commercials, and we're going to take a short break. The College Volleyball Weekly on the other side, and of course, still coming up, new women's team head coach, rookie head coach, Karch Karat. You don't have to find the best college coaches they find you at Spire Institute. Spire's postgraduate volleyball academy wants athletes. Spire delivers customized volleyball training and competition, led by head coach John Hawks, athletic development with Michael Johnson performance and educational options, all in Olympic-grade facilities. There is no better way to impress college coaches and increase scholarship opportunities. Spire Institute postgraduate men's and women's programs in multiple sports it's not taking a year off it's adding a year to your future sign up today at spireinstitute.org. Welcome back into the Net Live. Kevin Geeter and Jeremy all hanging out. We just heard from the boss Reed Pretty, who was calling in from an airport in Nebraska. That was awesome. Yeah, that was, that was pretty funny. We hope you are enjoying this show, either live or via iTunes. Remember, we do have the iTunes feed. It is available on the Net Live Blog Talk Radio feed. You can find that by searching volleyball or the Net Live inside of iTunes and selecting it under podcasts. You can also interact with us during the week, the net live at gmail.com, or on our Facebook page, the NetLive slash Facebook. And we also have Twitter. You can get on there and get in the conversation on Twitter. I'm just learning how to use it, so I had to heckle you guys. I get nothing back from you this week. I saw an UG commercial, tweeted at you about it. I mean, you must be busy. Sometimes people
5: work. Actually, Brady looks from, pretty cool in those things. From Thursday to Sunday, I was gone at a wedding. in San and if you followed me on Twitter, you probably would know that. So I do follow. I, I you wasn't on really
1: available
5: uh, for your little emails and tweets. You know, the phone doesn't uh, get much service. Hold on.
1: How is it that you're tweeting but you're not
5: available? for mine? I figured it out, but yeah. I didn't have a lot of time to look at the phone and do things like that. I like that Kevin has finally discovered
4: Twitter and started like heckling people and people. You? Yeah, you he started heckling me, and I was talking to Jen Kessy mm-hmm. again this week. Trying to poach your had followers. No idea who you are. Giving her a high five. I gave her. You a, know what? Give her a proper high five yeah. this weekend, Kevin.
1: She has, she has no idea who I am, and that's why she's still into you. Because once she knows who I am, it's Please. all over for the Mohawk. You and your little double-handed around their interlaced fingers. Look at me, trying to make out with Jen while all these other people try and photobomb you. First of all, there is no trying to make out.
4: <laughs> Let's just get that straight. I needed a photo with a medalist. Uh huh. Both of them. I got one with both.
1: I like your one with uh, with April. Yes. Pretty in, funny. Her in, glasses are excellent.
4: In the club, wearing the silver medal, wore it for about 20 minutes, had to hold it because I was dancing because it was so heavy that when it swung off of my chest, I thought I was going to crack a rib when it hit me.
1: Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Loved it. It was awesome. Heavy is the neck yep. that wears the silver medal. I love that they're celebrating the silver medal. As they should. Because way too often in this country, it's, oh, you want a silver medal?
3: Dude, I want a freaking silver medal. Yeah,
1: it's a silver medal. Yeah. Second in the world. Not uh, you know, the known universe. Not like second at AAU, not second at your local beach tournament. No, second in the known universe. Yeah, I remember when Holly and EY won the bronze
5: and Kerry and Misty won their first gold. It was a big deal. We celebrated both and because uh, both the American. Yeah, I remember we when Marsh and Dodd silver was was celebrated uh, just like those guys with the gold. I mean it was a big it's a big deal. Big big, deal. big deal. Should be celebrated and we celebrated.
1: These junior kids, I went to J.O.'s this year for boys' handout medals. Of course, bronze guys stoked, gold guys stoked, silver guys all ticked off. Yeah. And I told them, I said, listen, in about two weeks, you're going to look back and go, this is pretty awesome. One kid goes, no, I won't. I'm like, all right. Back to Valboa Bay there, bud. Good luck. I feel that
5: there are some cases where that silver – might hurt our women's indoor national team. When you know you're the best team, you probably win eight, nine out of ten. You know, say Carrie Misty had lost, gotten the silver. It might have been tough, but at
1: the end of the day, I I, I agree with you. Silver medals. It is a remarkable achievement, an absolutely remarkable achievement to be second in the known universe. Don't Don't say just a silver medal in the Olympics. This is second best. In the entire known universe at your discipline, your chosen profession. So if you were a stockbroker, you were second best in the known universe, you'd be pretty happy. And then your name would be made off. But maybe it's some other careers, maybe a better comparison. You having fun? I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here.
5: You know. The new rankings came out, huh?
1: New rankings are out. Let's detail those before. No, no, we gotta detail them in. The end. Okay. College of Week. We're waiting on Mike Sondheimer. He should be calling in shortly. I know we have Brandon Rosenthal in the queue waiting, complaining about the sound quality. Again, folks, hang in there. We're trying some new stuff here. As software updates, it becomes a challenge. And at work, you must realize this when your software updates and all of a sudden something stops working. Nobody really cares because it's just you and your cubicle and your computer's not functioning correctly, so you can throw a little fit and throw your cards around and knock down your family photos. Here... When that happens, we end up with a sound problem, so we are efforting to fix that on the Net live. so hang in there. I think we have both our guys, yes or no?
4: Yep, and I think the audio has been better today. I haven't heard much about it, so I think we're,
1: we're it, in the right direction. It did suck before. I'm with you, folks. Oh, it yeah. sucked. Yeah. I listened to it. It sucked. We're going to replace those audio files for those on the iTunes feed, so it doesn't suck, but hopefully it doesn't suck today. Let's start a segment that doesn't suck, one of the best segments of our show
4: Yeah. Yeah, this is it because like the other stuff was awful.
1: It was only because UC Irvine didn't have a real recorded fight song. The rest of the fight songs work fine. UC Irvine has a bunch of, bunch of bros, not your out bro, in the bro. Fans screwing it up. Not your bro, bro. Sorry, Each bro. week, the Net Live is proud to present the College Volleyball Weekly, the CVW, in association with the AVCA, that's the American Volleyball Coaches Association. We detail the best of. What was the previous week of college volleyball, men's and women's, and of course in the fall it's the women, and we give you something to look forward to in the upcoming week. This looked like the conclusion of non-conference play. We'll be talking conference after this, so welcome into the conversation once again our correspondents Brandon Rosenthal and Mike Sondheimer. Gentlemen.
7: How you doing? What's happening?
1: Oh, my goodness. Rosenthal's been on his own down there. His wife's been on, like, a vacation in Tahiti all by herself. (laughs) back. Are you okay? You're so fired up the kids are now being taken care of by someone besides you?
3: I'm good. I'm good. She was in Switzerland, but uh, all the same. And, uh, yeah, kids' uh, teeth were brushed, beds were made, and lunches were packed every day. And, uh, hey, all the better. Let's rock and roll.
5: Before we get into it, where, where did you get Tahiti from Switzerland?
1: It just sounded better. Oh, okay. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story, McGee.
5: Sondi, big match
1: this week on ESPNU,
5: I believe. UCLA, number one, taking on USC, number two. I know Sondy is awake at night, all giddy inside.
7: Well, I think it's going to be a very special match. USC unbeaten. The Bruins only lost 15-13 in the fifth in Nebraska. And it's the first match in the new Pac-12 contract with ESPNU. And what an opportunity for the nation to see two of the best volleyball teams. There's so much balance in the country. I mean, that match will be a great match, but there's so many other great matches going. Penn State and Nebraska go the same night.
1: There is some great balance going on. We see it each week in the matchups. Nebraska loses the number 25 Iowa State. Rope Come on, Nebraska gets the number one ranking, goes right down to number 25?
3: Well, you know, again, I think this kind of goes to what sandy's is saying is is the parody anymore. Uh, I think you're going to see it, as we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, this year is the year. Yeah. Uh, nobody has to wait around for it anymore. It's going to be like this all the way through, and uh, every night <clears throat> you better check your scoreboards because the gimmies are no longer. And it's, sure. it's been a lot of fun. I think you know you talk about ESPNU and and the contract with that. I thought they did a great job with uh, Tennessee Missouri last week, and what a uh, you know what a match, match that too. was. Yeah. Tennessee thumped them. I mean thumped them for the first two sets. Uh, Baker was going off. I think she had eight kills in in the first two sets alone. Halfway through the second set, and the Missouri storms back. And Missouri's one of those teams I want to talk about this week. Not in the uh, not in the top twenty-five ranking. Not in the others receiving vote ranking. It's uh it's kind of surprising because you've got some other SEC teams up in the mix, and you know Missouri's ten and two with wins over Tennessee. Uh, obviously win over the mighty ellipse. Them. Uh but little surprised they didn't make the mix, and uh, we're going to see what they're all about this week when they uh, go to Florida.
7: No, I agree, and then you look at the Big Ten, you have Northwestern being unbeaten, Michigan State being beaten in Wisconsin with only one loss, and all the talk is still Penn State and Nebraska.
1: New rankings just out, UCLA number one up from number two, Southern Cal number two up from number three, Nebraska, Penn State, Washington round out your top five then it's Stanford, Hawaii, Oregon, Texas and Louisville.
7: No question about it. Again, the balance is there. It's just a, it's just a great it's a great season because when you hit the NCAA tournament, there's going to be so many chances for upsets, especially in the first round matchups and then the second round matchups. There's just so many teams and there's a lot of styles and who matches up with what team. I mean, UCLA is lucky to be number 1. They barely beat Colorado State. They were down 9-7 in the fifth fifth set. Packed house at Fort Collins and were able to pull it out. USC had to beat San Diego in five a week ago. So I mean, you know, different things happen around the country and it's about being tested. Kentucky and
1: dropping out of the top twenty five. Uh, UCLA I, I know they took care of
5: Pepperdine, I about that match, uh, about it, talked to a couple of oh, coaches. Rolfo, it seems like they that. are yeah, Jasmine Ross was playing great for Pepperdine, by the way, but it seems like UCLA just huge on those pins. Oh, yeah. uh, hitter in love, the big lefty from San Diego. Uh, what's going on with the setting? I, I keep seeing Manoa and and, and flip-flopping a lot.
7: Well, they go back and forth. I mean, basically replacing Lauren Van Orden, and what you have is Manoa played great in Hawaii when they won the match, but she got sick, and she played really well to the end of the Colorado State match. And then Michael Seeley has enough uh, guts as a coach to bring a freshman setter in in set five when you're down, and Stralo ended up setting out set five, and the Bruins ended up winning. But they are still in a battle. Either one could start against USC on Wednesday, so it, it just depends on how it goes. But there's a lot of battles across the country.
1: Rosenthal, K-State continues to be a big mover, 12 and 0, now up from number 19 to number 11. And somebody tweeted me this week that I think it was Scott that said 12 and 0 for K-State means that K-State and Oregon, if I'm getting it right, are the only two teams that have undefeated football and volleyball teams.
3: Can't can't speak on that behalf, but I can tell you, K-State and uh, Western Kentucky are, are probably the two teams that I want to talk about the most. You know, K-State, very impressive 12-0 record, wins over Minnesota, Dayton, St. Mary's, a good Missouri State team, a very good Creighton team. Uh, they're going to be tested right here, uh, coming this week, uh, in two days against Oklahoma. And then the team we talked about last week, Western Kentucky, we saw them last Tuesday. Tough match. Uh, they're a real good team. And then, you know, later in the week, they go and beat Duke. And then they go and beat Michigan. Uh, they're 13-3. and three, And I'm telling you, this is a team that I know they're, I think, what are they, uh, 24th. Not sure that that's the right ranking for them, uh, especially since there's some teams that are ahead of them uh, that they've beaten. Dayton is one of them. So I'm really interested to see these two teams. You know, they have losses to Louisville. Penn State and Ohio State and uh, so I think it's it, they're no joke and uh, you know I'll be interested to see both of these teams kind of work through you know their conference obviously Western Kentucky should have the upper hand in their conference but K-State is a very interesting you know team to watch especially early on in this conference yeah, there's, a
2: lot of, there's a lot of teams like that I agree
5: uh, Sandy, what about the emergence of BYU? Uh, they're off to a great start. Uh, Sean Olmstead doing a real nice job over there. That just made that with Diego yeah. that And tough. Pepperdine
7: gets to go and play play at BYU this week on Thursday. And I mean, the waves the waves have a very nice team. Adam Matthews bringing that team along. They're going to be very strong, and I think that's going to be real interesting for their conference to see how that gets going. And again, it's just about, I mean, Oregon and Washington are unbeaten right now. They're very capable of beating the top group of the Pac-12 on any given night. I mean, Stanford's getting better with freshman setter Bugs coming along and all their group, and then Cal is up and down, too. So, I mean, there's just so many teams, and you look at the, you know, the Big Ten is just loaded up and down. So I think the bigger conferences, I think, are going to beat each other up and down, and then some of these smaller conferences, if a team can really emerge, they might be able to get a nice Sweet 16 seed, you know, come NCA time.
1: Rosenthal, you're a head coach. The non-conference schedule is fun. It's a good time to test out where you're at, maybe pick some wins or unfortunate losses. But conference time is a whole different schedule in a different focus, is it not?
3: It is, and, I mean, it really, I mean, the best word for it is the grind. I mean, it it really is from everything from the travel to the preparation. These are teams that you know you're going to see probably twice in the year. So, you know, the preparation part of it is huge. You know, the girls have, uh, for the most part, played each other. So, a lot of the unknown is kind of thrown out the window. Uh, I mean, this is where it comes down to. This is where teams kind of make their mark. And you're right. Uh, One of the best things that can happen as you go from Kind of that preseason um, you know mentality to the conference is just getting everybody on the same page and realizing hey everybody's zero you know oh and o now you've got some teams that have played one or two matches, you know, but basically everybody's o and o and it's a whole new season, and uh you know I hate to say you have to kind of gear it towards. You know, playing two different seasons, or actually three different seasons, as you go from, you know, preseason to conference to postseason. But that's really it. And uh, this summer, I talked with Mike Ebert a little bit about that. And one of the things that he said is, you know, before each kind of different phase of the season, they always went back to the basics, and I, I found that really interesting. You know, even as they get into the NCAA tournament. And you've had a lot of practice and things like that that they went back to the very basics serving and passing and, and kind of just reiterated that. And I think you know, what Sandy's saying is is just that. Any given night, if you don't bring your A game, uh, especially in some of these bigger conferences, you're gonna get thumped.
7: Yeah, and I think for Brandon's case, the hard part about their conference is they really have three seasons because just because they do well in the regular season of a conference doesn't mean they're getting the NCAA tournament. It's really in those conferences about the postseason, the team that's going to get the automatic into the NCAAs, whereas the bigger conferences know they're going to get five or six teams in. It's not quite the same amount of pressure.
0: Rose, what
1: do you do with your players to prepare them to play against teams that, as you mentioned, they know the hitters, they know the tendencies a lot more, and it becomes much more difficult to put the ball away?
3: You know, I think the biggest part for us, you know, uh, being a mid-major is just understanding, hey, listen, that drive on every point has got to be there. Uh, As teams get to know you and your tendencies more and more, you know, the rallies are going to get longer and longer. And what happens is that internal drive has got to be there to finish points. Uh, We talk about that all the time. It's finishing, finishing, just because, you know, you hit a nice ball or whatever or, or you get stuck somewhere in the middle of the set and next thing you know they run a 5 point, you know, spread on you. It's really tough. So, you know, we've been fortunate over the past couple of years to have teams that uh, you know, when they stepped on the gas, they stepped on the gas and they didn't let off and I think we've got a young team, a younger team this year that uh is kind of working through some of that and as we've played some tough competition, uh, you know, I'm ex- I'm excited to see how we take that and and really put it towards the conference and and that's you know what we've geared everything towards as sandy said it, it is all about the conference and then post season conference play for us because you know in reality uh the chances of us getting two teams out of our conference is pretty slim so um you know for us that first go around in a double round robin, you know, usually sets the tone and you've got to send a message. And I think that's the biggest part that we've been talking about is, you know, the uh, quote this week is make it personal, you know, um, for our girls, not only for themselves, but everybody that's come before them in trying to build this program into what it is.
1: Mike, as you look down the PAC 12 television schedule, an unprecedented amount of coverage for those. For those teams, and in the schedule for that, the scheduling when it comes to times and days and those sorts of things, are there winners or losers in that equation as far as geography and programs?
7: I think the the hard part is a lot of conference conference games in the Pac-12. There's some Wednesday Fridays for the first time. Like one of the biggest matches in the conference. This week is Oregon State, which beat Penn State in five, plays at Oregon. and that, both those teams then have to come down to Southern California on Thursday, and Oregon plays USC at USC on Friday, and Oregon State plays UCLA. And then when we hit November, SC and UCLA have to go up there right before Thanksgiving and then come back and play each other on the Thanksgiving Friday. So I think when you get a couple of those things or a couple of those other places, they're going Wednesday, Friday, it's a little bit tougher than you know back-to-back in the same area. So I think that's going to be more like what the Big, 12, Big Ten and Big 12 do, where they play you know multiple matches over a couple of days and being able to do. But I think, like I said, the conference is so loaded, it's going to be uh, real hard to, for a team to go on the road and beat somebody.
1: Mike, you just mentioned Oregon, Oregon State, but give us some of your other ones. I know you mentioned them earlier in the show, but if people are going to be watching this week, who should they be? Well, watching?
7: I mean, the TV, the TV you have, you have UCLA, USC, and you have Oregon State, Oregon, Oregon State, Oregon, Pac-12 Network. The other one, is UCLA, on the on the ESPNU, and then the Big Ten Network. The big one is Nebraska, Penn State, and then I don't know if you, on BYU TV has got Pepperdine and BYU. So those are those are matches I'm looking forward to seeing in the West this week, and I think those would be great matches all around.
3: Rose. You know, a little bit off the radar. I'll tell you what is an up-and-coming team, at ten and one in the Missouri Valley, is Creighton. Creighton is going toward uh, going to Kansas, and and uh, this will be an interesting matchup. This is kind of their last uh, big uh, match before they get into conference play. I'll be interested to see what Creighton can do with a name team. They lost to Kansas State earlier in the season, so I'd like to see them. Uh, the other team that keep an eye on is South Carolina. South Carolina has done a nice job. Uh, they're 13-0 and 0 right now. Uh, they just coming off wins against LSU. And uh, it'll be
7: – There's another one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Barnett. Hey, there's That's another fine. one for you.
3: That's why I asked you guys.
7: But you know here
3: here's the other thing Barnett we talked about this last week was uh Illinois. We didn't mention them this week but you know got a huge win against Texas. So uh must have uh, Hambley must have been listening to the radio or to the podcast uh because he knew he had to step up his game since uh you know we were talking about him last week.
1: Yeah, the net live affecting matches all over the place.
3: Certainly. Truly. Barnett, Excellent. don't you have your first game on uh, the Pac12 network coming up? In Oregon State,
1: Sandy said it's a big match. It's a big match for a lot of reasons. Definitely.
3: You know what? You know it's called the Civil War. I mean, I hope you know that. I hope you've actually taken some time to do some research and, and know what that rivalry is all about. Hey, man, that's my opening
1: line. Welcome to the Civil War. Plus, yeah. you get to say beavers a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
7: You'll be rolling along.
1: Oh, my goodness.
3: Was that, did I cross the line there? Because geeter has got to be laughing at that a little bit.
1: DJ Roche did a fist pump straight up in the air while he was sipping from his Eagles glass. <laughs> I love it. <that. laughs> Personally, I, I I've really enjoyed it. All right, gentlemen, thanks very much for the great information. week of volleyball. Appreciate your contribution. Talk to you again next Monday. And the sound worked this week, didn't it?
7: Much better.
3: All right. It did. The, the demands of my agent came through. Finally,
7: <laughs> thank you, guys. Have a good week. Later, guys. Take care.
1: All right, say, spin up some music because we have uh, just a minute here before uh, our next caller is going to call in. Karchi, Karchi Karai, coming up on the other side of the break on the Net Live. Eighty-three. Nope. See, that one I got wrong on purpose.
4: On purpose. Well... So then
1: who is it then? Okay. No, I didn't get that wrong. I'm trying to think of it. I know this one. It's Young Something. Let me know. Young Something. Yeah, that's, you're right. God, I love this song Something is not
4: the proper term. And that's the name of the song, not the group. Young Blood. Young
1: Blood. Thank you. Who's the artist? I don't know. Yep, you're out. I'm just trying to appear semi-cool in my music taste. Didn't we
4: talk about you not being cool last week? Just own it. Own it. You're not cool. Just own yes, it. That's
1: Jay Rochette. Oh, gosh. With this music problem. Well, it's the net live. I'll just keep talking. DJ Rochette will keep doing what he does, playing music. That's why we have him here. Yeah. And Chris Geter McGee will keep uh, hosting along and doing intros and asking good questions because that's what you do, buddy. Okay. I'm ready to intro this next person. Are you ready? You've done it a
5: couple of times, haven't you? I have, and I really enjoy it, Barney. And it has been a long time since I've introduced the greatest of all time, ladies and gentlemen, out of UCLA. A three-time gold medalist, Jay Roche, 84, 88, and 96. And ladies and gentlemen, just recently named the head coach for the women's indoor national team, the man that goes by one name only, Karch Karai, the man I call partner. Karchi, how are you? Partner!
8: Hey, great to hear your voices, guys. Great to hear your voice, Gita. It seems like about 100 years ago, you and I did a radio show together.
5: Man, it has been a long time. Who can forget the radio show Karch Karai <laughs> on occasion? Showed up, Sinjin Smith. It was an amazing. Oh, Sinjin played you. Yeah, Sinjin okay. was there on, on, on occasion, like I am with the show. A a good two year run for for <laughs> let, let let's get right. To it. We have so much to talk to you about, but you were named the head coach of the women's national team. Take us through that process when it finally came down. I mean, we had heard the rumors for months, but but really take us through those last few days.
8: Uh, well, you know, uh, obviously there was a lot of action early in 2011 when Hugh accepted the uh, the job to go to Minnesota. So obviously everybody knew there was going to be a vacancy there, and uh, started thinking seriously about uh, what would be next on the horizon. All it's kind of a weird situation. I think Kevin understands it a little too that when you're with USA, it's kind of a four-year cycle, and everybody. Uh, it's it's like you just drop off a cliff at the end of four years. There's really nothing planned after that. So each member of the staff had to kind of figure things out at some point. What am I going to do next with with no guarantees or no contracts or or no future plans? And uh, and then you know thought hard about it because I really want to give it my all. I want to uh, be as good as I can be to help uh, continue to help this program go where it wants to go and keep on the momentum we have. And so I reached the conclusion early this year that I would really, really be interested in doing that. And uh, Doug and I had been having conversations, and then we just put everything on complete hold a few months before London because I didn't want that to be any kind of distraction. Um, We had far, far, far more important things to worry about. And then we picked it up at the end and kind of got it locked in and made the announcement last Tuesday. So it was something that I knew I wanted to do, and I think Doug and USA knew they wanted to do, and we just, you know, shelved it uh, appropriately to uh, to not make it any kind of issue going into London.
5: Tarch, I think what everyone respects the most about you, and I told this story a few weeks ago on this show, is when you go into something, you go into it 100%. You did it with your broadcasting, and I've got to do that with you uh, uh, many times. And, and I knew that you wouldn't go into being a head coach without a lot of thought, talks with your wife, <laughs> Janet, and, 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 and really going to all the resources you have. A Marv Dumphy, people like that. How long did the process take for you, and in, 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 in really, when did you decide, I am ready for this?
8: I think, uh, to tell you the truth, I decided during the men's Norseca tournament, I'm sure you guys were around for that, or actually I should say the North, the Olympic qualifier that was in early May in Long Beach, and um, I had mulled it over probably from November till then, but uh, again, uh, not talking with anybody, you know, uh, with with any athletes really. Again, don't want it to be any kind of distraction, but talking to uh, people like Bill Neville, uh, one of my mentors and uh, one of my favorite coaches to play for over the years uh, as he was our assistant going into the 84 Olympics. And um, so you're right. Uh, You all probably have a cadre of people that you can bounce ideas off of and who are going to give you uh, an unvarnished opinion and not just be yes-men. And I'm lucky enough to have a team uh, to bounce ideas like that off of also. Um, uh, and certainly talked with Hugh a lot of, uh, a lot about it. He's been a great mentor and really the, the one who um, gave me this opportunity. And it started uh, early in, well, actually, late 2008, uh, Hugh has his own cadre of people that he uh, com- you know that he consulted with when he was deciding to make that big move uh, after winning gold with the men to take up uh, to take over the women's program and uh, I know the USA uh, leadership talked to a lot of people uh, myself included about the men's job and I just didn't feel like I was at all prepared for that and didn't feel like it would have been um uh, fair to them and fair to me to jump right in but uh, and, and so I had consulted with Hugh on that he said well you know here's a, uh, there's a lot of things that might fit well together and I'd love to have you as part of the, the team going forward with the USA women and then at the end of that you might even feel prepared enough to to uh, to become a head coach yourself at the USA level and so um, for many reasons it worked out just as we had talked about late 08 and early 09
1: Coach, four years ago, there was some discussion of you perhaps taking over one of the teams. I think there was some talk of you taking over the men's team at that point. Did you feel qualified for the job at that point in 2008 for either men or women? In at that, Could you have taken on that challenge?
8: Uh, no, I don't feel like it would have been fair to either program or to any of the athletes and all the people behind it to uh, to take over something with the level of experience that I had. So I absolutely didn't uh and and those are things as Geter mentioned that I think about really long and really hard. Um trying to honor uh whatever the task is at hand and um and so that's why the opportunity to work under a gold medal winning coach uh, like you and and the job he did with the men and how he had been involved with the uh, the men's program and with USA since about 2001 or 2002, it was a, a natural fit. So utterly agreed. Now I absolutely do feel. Uh, like I'm qualified, and I'm really excited about continuing the work that uh, that this group's put in for the last four or five years, and for many of them, far longer than that, far longer than I've been involved with the USA program, but continuing this work and uh, trying to become the very best program that we can be, the very best team that we can be.
1: You've been thinking about this since May. We know you had the Olympic Games in the focus there, but how much work has been done in your mind on the staff, and who's on that short list?
8: Um, I literally really did shelve everything, and, uh, you know, I had some easy candidates in mind, but I'm uh, still uh, building. That's, that's actually got to be priority number one for me is getting the best possible staff. We were talking about it during the Olympics a little, just how lucky we were to have the staff that we did with Hugh, with Paula Weisshoff. Um, and and uh, the legendary history she has with USA Volleyball, with Jamie Morrison, who was with the men for those four years, and now with the women, uh, with our certified athletic trainer, Jill Wasmack, just uh, our team leader, just the, the, the quality of people that we had, and then at the Olympics, Marv Dunphy joining us and others. So the quality of that group was fantastic, and um, it's imperative for me to try to, Assemble as quality a group as I can uh, again to lead this program forward so I've got my lists uh, and I would say nothing is imminent for sure because lots of people are obviously uh, you know where many of those ranks come from is the college season and everybody is starting this is a big week with conference play starting after all the pre-conference tournaments are now done, uh, so nothing is imminent by any means. But I'm looking forward to lots of good conversations, talking to a lot of quality people, and getting the uh, the best possible staff assembled.
1: You said before, and rightfully so, that you go on that four-year cycle and then you kind of drop off the cliff. I mean, you have, the insurance is cut off the day after you get back. <laughs> if you're not, you know, <laughs> it's over. So does that make it a hard sell for you to your staff when you're trying to bring them on?
8: I guess it could be in a sense, but in another sense, um, you know, at times USA Volleyball has been able to have great continuity in its staff, and at other times there's total turnover. This time, at least on the women's side, there's going to be some nice continuity. It's not going to be a totally new uh, coach with a totally and utterly foreign philosophy. Uh, There are lots of similarities there, and so the adjustment is far easier for athletes, and I think that continuity is going to benefit us down the road. So uh, some of the people that I hope to assemble on this staff could, uh, in a very informal sense, I guess, offer – the opportunity to, you know, for a succession plan for more continuity down the road. I personally can't offer them any guarantees beyond the end of this next quad, but hopefully, uh, if they do a nice job and we all continue to learn and get better, then, uh, uh, then USA now has more coaches who are capable of taking on this job uh, at some point in the future.
5: Karch, you talk a lot about Hugh and, of course, uh, people that you've played for. Marv, you, you mentioned Bill, uh, a great mentor for you. What, what are some of the things you, you you take from, say, Hugh over these past four years that, that you really liked, uh, that he does really well, that, that you would like to implement yourself?
8: Um, well, one thing that has been greatly important to uh, both Hugh with the man, with his experience, he was an assistant coach for Doug Beal. Uh, he worked with, you know, he assisted for Carl McGowan. Both of those coaches come from a philosophy that I played under a lot under Doug Beale and then under Marv Dunphy, and that's the idea of competing your tail off every day in the gym. Uh, I guess the way we termed it, it's certainly not a new term. I've heard it before, but we called it coopetition, and that is uh, cooperatively competing as hard as we possibly can because. Geter, when you're on the other side of the net, I'm going to do everything I can to make my teammates on my side of the net better and beat your brains in. And then when you and I are teammates the next round and we've switched it up and we've got new teams, now we're going to work together to do everything we can to beat that other team across the net. It makes everybody better when we compete like crazy. And that's always been one of the bedrocks of uh, lots of coaches that we've already talked about in terms of, lots of competition and lots of meaningful things with points counted, and there's a winner and a loser and some consequences at the end, and uh, because that's ultimately, as Bill Neville says, we don't drill volleyball. We play volleyball, and we play for points and for a score, and so uh, we try to do that on a meaningful level every day in the gym. It makes people better. And uh, and it prepares us better for what we have to do when we battle with a USA uniform on.
5: Great stuff, Karch. You know we were talking earlier on the show about Jen and April getting their silver medal, and, and, and really in our eyes it was kind of uh, almost a gold the way they beat Brazil. You know I remember when when Whitty and and, and Dodge got the silver, and you and Kent uh, got the gold. We celebrated that 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 silver for you guys. Such an amazing four year run where you were the best team in the world to end up with that silver medal it, 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 what taste did it leave in your in, in your mouth and how and how disappointed were you for, for the women because I know as a coach a lot of times when we lose you kind of take the selfish part out of it and you really feel for the kids
9: um There –
8: what kind of a taste did it leave? I will uh, – we'll we'll keep it a PG-rated show here, so I won't say what I really was tasting, but it did not taste good. Um, You know, it's just the nature of the beast that in the Olympics in particular, you – There's a team that goes out and wins a gold medal, and there's a team that goes out and wins earlier in the day a bronze medal, and they both get to feel great about the way their tournament ends. And then there's one team that gets robbed of that sense a bit by losing and then climbing the the podium five minutes later. And uh and that's just the nature of, of winning a silver medal is you don't get the feeling of having won it because the tournament ends on a loss. And this team put together an incredible tournament. We put ourselves in exactly the position we wanted to be in. You gotta be in the final to win the final. We got the opponent we wanted, we got everything we wanted. Uh, we won the first game easily. Of course, that wasn't a lot of us doing anything. It was Brazil hitting about 10 balls and serves out and giving, handing over, over lots of freebies. But uh, yes, it's still uh, a tough taste in our mouth. And uh, I wanted it so badly for every one of those 12 athletes that were there with us and for. All the other athletes, we had uh, almost 85 athletes come through this gym that I'm sitting at here in Anaheim right now, the American Sports Center, um, which is a a fantastic facility in our home base. And we almost uh, had close to 90 athletes come through the last four years, and every one of them in their own way, but especially the ones who were around for a good chunk of that time and around at the end made huge contributions to – how good this team and those 12 were. And I would love to bring them all to be, because that's a part of the team too, to bring them all to be there to share that moment together because everybody made a contribution. So I wanted it for everybody, especially the people uh, who, who've been around a long time and battled through a lot, um, uh, but it wasn't meant to be. So uh, we we take some lessons and we move on and we get to peel, feel tremendously proud of uh, playing it straight, of playing, for example, playing turkey hard in the uh, last round of pool play when we didn't have a lot on the line, of putting together a fantastic tournament and putting ourselves in a a great position to to win a gold and winning a silver.
1: Carter, I'm glad you mentioned those other players in the gym, the 85, but also the 12 or so that were in the gym to the end when the team went on and traveled. I think Paul and I mentioned it a couple of times during the Olympics that this was – The most talented gym I've ever seen, and if you put together a whole second team of players, that group could easily have been in medal contention in that same tournament. You could have had USA A and B, and they may have made uh, a really good run into the semifinals. Who are some of the players you think will make an impact that did not appear on this roster in 2012?
8: Well, uh, there are lots of players who can play an impact, but to name just one, there's somebody like Alicia Glass, who uh, led Team USA two out of the last three years to Grand Prix titles. First, uh, having just essentially arrived to become a full-time member of the USA Gym in 2010, two years ago. And we go on to win the first Grand Prix. The USA has been able to win uh, since 2001. And then this year, as you said, we played with a number of other players. And we we spent, uh, after the first two weeks of sending our full team, um, we flew five starters home to get to work on a tweak here and a tweak there. And uh, lots of other players took over and picked up and uh, still led the USA to a win. So she would be just one example of many, many uh, athletes who have really improved, continue to improve, and have given everything that they can to, uh, to make this program better. And that's probably one of the toughest parts, if not the toughest part of this job, is that everybody does that. They give their heart and soul into it. And at the end, you only get to tw- take 12, even though um, scores of players, of, of athletes, really helped uh, in that effort and uh, contributed in lots of ways.
1: You're listening to NetLive here on Volleyball Magazine. We're talking to new national team women's head coach Karch Karai. Karch, I love that quote earlier you don't drill volleyball, you play volleyball. How do you blend that concept or that ideal about being able to play the game fluidly and the group that you need to put together that can play the game fluidly with all the stats that are out there? Because assembling a team from stats only versus playing results is two different things. How do you blend and control the amount of information that you're being fed as a coach into what you put out there on the floor?
8: Well there's uh yes I guess there's the whole ends of the spectrum and maybe uh, I can't imagine that very many uh quality coaches are out there who only you know I think that's kind of uh, a myth that uh, coaches only look at stats or they only uh, rely on their intuition I think they look at both and more often than not maybe it says uh uh, Coach Russ Rose has said before, uh, after, you know, uh, uh, what a great program he has there and winning four straight titles recently at the NCAA level, he said, I, I really look at stats as just to kind of confirm my intuition. And uh, But there is so much of the science and of the art to coaching, and it's not all about numbers, and it's about how people – play and elevate those around them on the court. That's been a huge focus of mine as an athlete it was for many 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 years. And um and if you can be the kind of player who makes people around you better, your stats may not look that great, but the team plays better when you're on the court, that counts for a lot. In my book and it counts for a lot in a lot of coaches books. Uh, uh one of the greatest compliments ever paid to me was um uh, and, Dieter, you will especially appreciate this. But uh, I think uh, Lambo. I got to play with Mike Lambert for a few years on the beach, and I really enjoyed that. And I think he was talking to to Kevin Wong, whom I also enjoyed playing and sharing a court with greatly. And uh, I think his quote to, to Kevin was something along, this, along the, the lines of, boy, carts can sure make you look good on a volleyball court. And that was always one of my objectives is how can I make those around me just look great and play great? Because then it almost doesn't matter what I'm doing. If they're playing at a higher level, thanks to whatever I can do to help them out and pass the ball on the perfect spot or be in the right uh, right place on defense or say the right thing, and that's different uh, things to different teammates. But a lot of the focus has to be on making those around you better, and that's not something you can just look at stats and find the answer to.
5: Great stuff, Karch. Karch, you know now that you're the head coach of the women's national team, you've got to come on the show all the time.
8: Okay, is that the the obligation?
5: (laughs) You didn't see that. Brent. Yeah, contract.
8: I, I didn't see that in the contract. No, I, I guess that was in one of the addenda that I'm still waiting
5: for. I get to hear you on uh, Wednesday with UCLA uh, USC.
8: Yes, I'm actually going to get to work uh, a few television uh, games this year for ESPN. I usually get to work uh, the regionals and the Final Four, uh, and I love doing that work. And more importantly, it's a great way to stay connected. One of the Uh, One of the things that Hugh and I, that was a a priority for us, is how do we uh, set this program? You know, there are so many great athletes playing this game in this country on the women's side. Uh, How do we set this program on a course to be a consistently uh, world-class program and to be a threat to win not to expect to win, but a threat to win every time every time it enters a competition,
1: and, for,
8: and and that was far beyond our three and a half years together. But it's how do we set set it on a course to do that over the next ten to twenty years? There's no reason why this program shouldn't be consistently uh, uh, threatening to win events, and so uh, that was a big priority. And part of that is just trying to build bridges. With all of the great coaches that are out there in the college game, of course, that's where all of our athletes come from. This country is unique in the sense of relying on a college, on a university model rather than a sport club model where um, where our athletes develop. That's the, the, the time they spend is between the end of high school and the time they spent, They start uh, setting foot in the USA gym. They're with all of the, uh, especially at the Division One level, but they're spending a lot of time in college volleyball. They have some limitations there, some challenges like the 15 substitution rule for this year and the fact that um, they play with some, some other different rules and they're limited training-wise, but there's lots to like about that, and that's, uh, that's where our athletes come from. So it's important to stay as connected as possible, and that's why I, one of the main reasons why I, I, I love doing that work is uh, chatting with coaches, meeting uh, athletes, getting to see some of them in action more to get to know them a little better, as, uh, as some of them may be in this gym shorter rather than uh, longer out into the future.
1: Well, you thought some of those kids were listening closely before to the analysis by Karch on those matches and going, oh, it's Karch Karai yeah. talking about me now. What if it's the national team? <laughs> oh. Say hello to Karch.
5: Game. So, Karch, uh, last thing. Uh, Phil was on the show about an hour ago. so We had Phil and Karch on the same show, so we're very proud of ourselves and patting Jeremy on the back. Um, Phil's going to play with Rosie. Uh, what do you think about that squad? That's a squad we used to talk about, you and I, when we did broadcast together back in the day.
8: Uh, that doesn't surprise me. That seems to be a natural progression, certainly. Uh, obviously Todd has been a tremendous player for a long, long time, and lots of people were wondering how long, what he was going to do after the end of this Olympics, and, uh, certainly playing on the FIVB Tour is a, a challenge for people with, uh, with younger kids. And so I guess that's not a big surprise that Todd will probably be traveling less and Phil will need to look for a new partner. And and he needs somebody who can play defense behind him and transition and put all those digs that are going to come up in the air his way since Phil takes such a huge amount of space on the block. So, no, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, They've got some years to figure it out. If the if, uh, long-term focus is the Olympics, certainly. Uh, but it's it, it certainly uh, one of the things that's interesting now with the uh, with the FIVB tour and things like that. Is you don't see partner changes from week to week anymore. Before all that was going on, you know, you could see wholesale changes all the way down through the ranks on the EVP tour, except maybe the top two teams who were in the final the week before. Everybody else is thinking, oh man, my partner stinks. I gotta find a new one. We can't beat those guys, and they'd be switching all the time. But now the partnerships are a lot more stable, and it will be fun and, uh, and fascinating to see how that partnership uh, comes together and blossoms.
5: Jeremy, I know he's an indoor guy again, but, God, we miss Karch out there. I know.
1: Just, just, I, <laughs> beach
5: I love,
8: love hearing his voice.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Karch. Karch, appreciate your time. Good luck on the new job. It's a very interesting time to take over a very talented gym.
8: Uh, I'm a lucky guy, and I'm honored to do it. Uh, great to speak with you guys and look forward to hearing your voices some more. Uh, keep up the good work.
1: Thanks, Karch. Thanks, Karch. Karch Karai, new national team head coach on the women's side of the game. It's going to be that was great. interesting. I'm, I'm excited yeah, to watch I what know. he does with that program. I, I think uh, it's great carryover. You, can you
5: just hear the, the, uh, the excitement in his voice oh, and, yeah. and how, how excited he is to, for this challenge for him? And, oh,
1: and, yeah. and
7: That's going to be contagious.
5: Uh, it you know, all it, it the is a great, great carryover and great continuity. Him. Yeah, great continuity. I mean, it was, it was, it's, it's just a, it's the right choice.
1: I'm still interested to see what a Karch Karai team yeah, looks like. It's going to be like. cool to, have,
5: uh, to see his imprint. And, and as you say, you know, you're, you've seen Hugh for so many years. Yeah. You know, it's going to be nice to see what what Karch looks like. It's going to be fun for all of us. When does he get
4: to
1: get in the gym with the team? There, historically in the last few years, has been a winter program with some players, and I think they've had more success with it on the women's side because there are more players available. Uh, But really, to be in the gym with your full team, thinking about competition, you're looking at April, May. Okay. And in some cases, some of the women aren't coming back till middle late May, so he has a little time to go. This is why I want the hires to be now. Great that Karch is in there. And not because he's cards, but because you have selected a head coach, and the head coach now has time to prepare, plan, watch video, get a staff together, establish roles, plan a a progression for the season for the year, for the quad for the you know the, all those things the the men's need men's program needs the same thing mm-hmm. that coach has got to be in there at the latest by January one at the latest, really, I want to see it by october one
0: mm-hmm.
1: i i mean you, you need the coach in there as soon as possible. So you can progress. And I think even more important on the men's side, because whoever it is has a lot more work to do. It's not going to be somebody who was in the program. I don't believe in the program for the last couple of years. It's going to be somebody new because John Spraw is out. Alan Knight presumably going back to Long Beach and his job there. So you need somebody with knowledge. I don't see Gary taking over the program. I just I I, in my conversations with him. It doesn't sound like he's going to. So you're going to have somebody new to that program.
5: I got a roll. I don't know if you're gonna have some comments on the other side because there's so much to talk about with cards and I wish we had more time with him. We're definitely gonna to have to get him soon. Again. We will have so to get him back as a solid uh,
1: half hour but, right there.
5: Uh you know, it sounds like he answered a lot of our questions in terms I I wanted to ask about UCLA and UC Irvine. Was he close to taking those jobs? Right. It sounds like the, the women's national team was the job and it has kind of been in the works for a while. Yeah, I talked to him
1: about UC or UC Irvine a little bit, but I, I think he loves wearing the flag. I, I agree. He loves wearing the he, colors. He's USA. He loves being a part of it. It's good to have him back into that, because when I was on the National team, he was never around. Yeah, he was in his career still. Yeah, and, and, and there was all that bad blood between sure. between that generation of players and mm-hmm. the current generation of players at that time, the middle 90s, and USA Volleyball. Much different time now. Yeah, Much different time with with Doug at the helm and the way things have gone for them, both results-wise and also organization-wise. I think it's a, a good time to be involved with that program, and I think you're going to see him port that right over to the beach.
5: 100% agree. Good to be back, gentlemen. See you. See you Thanks for
1: being here, Geet. Tell Millie we all said hi. All right, the net live. We're coming to the close of the show here, Jeremy. I mean, we've we've had Phil, we've had Karch, we had College Volleyball Weekly. Uh, Geeter just fell down the stairs and and killed himself. So hopefully, Time Warner like. is Oh, he has no car keys. Wallet. His wallet. His wallet's right there. That's awesome. Good thing you remembered that. No but, par- No parking tickets today. No, this is the one you got to go back and listen to. You got to listen to this one again. Yeah, I think, you know, a huge shout-out right now. We haven't done it enough. It It didn't get mentioned because we were so pumped on Phil and Karch. There's two giant boxes of Zico down there. Thank you, Brooke. And Zico. And Zico. Brooke promised us two weeks ago that she was going to take care of us. And she did. She came through.
4: She fell through big time. Props. And those cartons are
1: huge. Oh yeah, my kids are gonna go nuts. Yes, especially the chocolate ones. Yep, watch out. So big thanks to Seiko, big thanks to Brooke for providing us with that info Can and a, that product.
4: I want to give a shout out to Jen Kessie and April Ross for inviting me to their after party Saturday night. Oh, there was at, a little
1: after party at the Hard Rock. You didn't have to work; you got to enjoy. I did get to enjoy. Do you grade the music while you're enjoying?
4: I try not to because I just want to enjoy it. And you know, I mean, it's natural people are gonna ask me about it. Yeah. Um, but it was good; it was a good time Saturday night. Hung out in a suite at the Hard Rock. Ooh,
1: this sounds nice.
4: Then went down to Club Vanity, where Sean Paul performed about ten feet away from us.
1: Oh. Look at you rubbing elbows with the rich and famous. I was standing
4: on a couch and Phil, Matt Furbringer, we're and Jake were him.
1: still almost as tall as I am.
4: <laughs> about to uh, wear the silver medal for about
1: twenty minutes. Wrapped your arms around Jen.
4: Yeah, uh, we had to we had to have a photo. It's obvious we talked about it on the show last week. Made
1: it happen. Good for you. I'm happy for you.
4: You're not. But it was it was a good time. Uh
1: I will say I am. Dustin A was say. the announcer
4: this weekend at the NBL and he knows oh, he, some, do. he did a great job. And he knows some of the players and starting to get to know them a little better. And right before we went out, he was like, Yeah, you know, I this is a good opportunity maybe I'll get to know some of the players because he knows them, but they all don't necessarily know him. We get to the club, he is in the middle of the VIP booth just rubbing elbows with everybody that he could. It was hilarious.
1: Just stoked to be there Just
4: stoked to be there. He had one of those light-up foam glow sticks that he was just beating Brad Keenan with for about 20 straight minutes. Just beating him, and Brad was just sitting there taking it. It was awesome.
1: Well, if you're as big as Brad Keenan, you might not even notice. No, he was just like, whatever. Tiny fly, Dustin Avall hitting you with...
4: Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was it was it was actually a really good time. It was a great party. Had lots of fun. I've seen photos of uh Jen and April also had a party at Rehab, the pool party on Sunday. I did not oh, make it. Oh yeah. I slept in till about noon.
1: Good for you. Yep. Um
4: but it was a good weekend and uh the Bagatelle Beach for the NVL event was great. I'm sure they'll have more stuff there. It was a great venue. It was a good time in Vegas, Kevin. Sorry you weren't there.
1: I'm sorry I wasn't there. You are, you are sorry you weren't there. I was busy riding. I am yep. sorry I wasn't in Vegas. It's fun. Yeah, good times. Just like this show was fun. Phil was great. Karch was great. I'm sure we'll have him back to talk more as uh, he gets his feet wet there in the the big boy chair. He's taking over the big office. I want to know, you know, what, what did he take down? What pictures did he yeah. take down? What what desks did he move around? When he was having meetings with Hugh, was he looking around going, God, i got to move that desk over to this side of the room, and that, the wine cabinet's got to go to the end, and... Uh yeah, we got to make all these changes.
4: Yeah, you know what he's. I just like. I mean, obviously, we just like hearing from Karch and Some of our audience is surprised that he came on because you hate him, but uh, he just. I mean, you could hear the enthusiasm. I just like hearing from one of the best in the world saying, "I wanted to be." He turned some head coaching things down because he knew he wasn't ready for that yet, and, yeah. re- and respected the process of that. Like, I want to learn it. I want to be good because I want. He doesn't want to cheapen the experience for the players. He's like, I want to be the best I can for the players, and you have to respect them.
1: He's good now. He's qualified, and it's going to be interesting. He's qualified, not proven, and I think that's what needs to be remembered in, in what's going on here. You know, We're going to find out uh, what kind of coach Karch really is, because being an assistant is difficult work. It's grinding. You're a bridge between the head coaching staff and the players, the head coach and the, and the players. It's a different role to move to head coach, from assistant coach, Hugh McCutcheon made a successful transition from there. I see no reason to believe that Karch won't do the same thing, but it is a process. We'll yeah. have to watch and see how it goes. that will be fun. And this show is a process each week, trying to put it together. We'll put together another good program for you next week. We will be back on Monday. I'll be coming off the Civil War. And Geter may or may not be here. He might have to be in his cubicle like Dilbert. Who knows? Yeah. Jeremy will be here, I'm sure, because he's a mainstay of the show now, and maybe we'll even get Reed Pretty once more before he takes off to head to Turkey. Big thanks to Spire Institute for their support of this program, spireinstitute.org. Go check them out. They're doing great things in the state of Ohio with youth sports, not just in volleyball, but in a variety of different activities. They have an incredible facility there. Also, Volleyball Magazine revamping their site, continuing their efforts to bring back an incredible brand of Volleyball Magazine that has been around for a long time, and the AVCA for their support of this show, and the College Volleyball Weekly, an excellent part of our program. Thanks, Rosenthal and Sondheimer. All right, for Roche, McGee, and Pretty, I'm Barnett. We'll see you next week on Minute Live. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one Volleyball Magazine.
5: Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years, with the latest in volleyball news and information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health, and travel-related features, it's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to sports' biggest stars, whether you're into the junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor volleyball. Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmag.com and subscribe for one year for only $19.99. Do that now and. Receive a new water bottle, a $49 value free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottle Company.
0: Volleyball mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine.